right, and welcome back to another episode of Out of the Rough Golf. Y'all are lucky in getting two in back-to-back weeks. That's a, a rarity from our, our side of things. Um, getting a little more consistent here for you motherfuckers out there. Jesus. <laughs> we just waited till the off-season to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've honestly had like a smorgasbord of, of golf content. We unfortunately haven't been able to cover a lot of stuff that we actually probably would have wanted to. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is, but we're bringing you guys content when you know you might be you might be seeking it out when not a lot of other content creators are uh, talking about golf. Yeah, I mean, there's no one talking about the Ryder Cup Definitely right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody talking about it. Probably the most undercovered event in yeah, golf for sure. For sure. Yeah, for it's sure. Been delayed a year. You there's know, there's no three hype years whatsoever. Since the last yeah, one. I, I think people are over it honestly. Yeah, yeah. So should we just wrap it up, boys? Just call tonight. <laughs> yeah, Ryder Cup's happening. Uh, thanks for listening, and <laughs> we'll see you guys at the next podcast. Yeah, Europe, uh, eighteen, ten. That's cool. your prediction. Damn, he's too. calling a shot already. No, I was just. I know, I know. Hot take. Um, so, um, do we want to want to start things off with a little bit of a season recap and maybe some players of the year talk? I mean, I think we could probably cover the players of the year since any of the real candidates are going to be in the rosters of the Ryder Cup teams. And as far as season recap is concerned, I mean, we 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 covered it with the the majors. I don't I don't want to get too off track with this uh, particular podcast. Let's keep it focused on the Ryder Cup, and maybe we'll keep it under two hours. Yeah, Fingers I think crossed. we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Might be able to pull that off. <laughs> I, I think we can handle that. <laughs> we will see. Um, you know, quick, you know, cr- recent history, we haven't been playing all that well in the Ryder Cup. We as in the the, ro- the royal we of uh, uh, all of America. The democratic uh, we, I think, is what it is. Yeah, I guess royal more European than American. But I mean more in the sense of, like, I'm being very uh, I, I hyper-inclusive I when I say we. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we're hoping back on U.S. soil, we set up the way that we want to set it up, favors us. Maybe we'll kind of get out of this, you know, with a better result than uh, France because we got an absolute beat down there. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty optimistic with just the way that Steve Stricker went about his captain's picks because I was for sure thinking that Patrick Reed was going to be on this team. Um, and I think we can get the picks here in a little say bit. We're going straight. I was just talking about like, yeah, we don't have to jump right into that. I was just talking about like, I'm a little more optimistic about the Americans this year. I think it's uh, you know, you got a different captain at the helm, um, and uh, it just shows, you know, he's he's all right with going a little bit against the grain. You know, like a, a lot of captains would just be like, let's get the the guys that have the next you know amount of points in there. But he, you know, he went with guys that he you know think deserve to be on the team even if they aren't necessarily the easy pick. Yeah. Yeah. I, we'll, we'll, we'll have our, each of our takes on his picks here short when we go through rosters, but just to kind of get like a recent history of the Ryder cup. Um, you know, the, Europe has definitely kind of had our number of the last 11 Ryder cups. They've won eight of them. And the only ones that we've won were on us soil. Um, so it, it really doesn't bode well for our performance. Uh, I, I'd like to open it up to the floors if you guys have any ideas of why the fuck we're so bad at the Ryder Cup in recent history. Um, I think partially one that our you know our team chemistry and maybe the pairings haven't been as good as they could be. Um, not necessarily making the correct captains' picks for course fit, um, and that 
simply that the Europeans come each year with the chip on their shoulder because they're the underdogs and they want, you know, I think they have more fire to win. Like, you know, I think they might just care a little more than the U.S. team does. I think when it comes, you know, down to it in the heat of the moment, the Americans are like all of a sudden like, oh, I do care, but it's like, you know, a little too late at that point. Like they didn't build the chemistry and like have the forethought and go and really, you know, do, do the work beforehand. Yeah. I think both of those things are really good points. I think, I mean, it has to be every year they're underdogs. Yeah. They being Europe. Do you think that's reasonable though? Or do you think that's just Vegas showing that times at times? I think it's reasonable. Was it reasonable going into Paris? I think it was considering what the world rankings were and who was on the American team. Like, yeah, it's easy in hindsight to be like, oh, the European team stacked But we up. were, like, heavily favored. I yeah. get that, and it made sense, like, considering who was on the American team, you know? Um, I, I, it's ahead. interesting. I wonder how much they consider. I mean, so many of these guys are playing a lot of the events that weigh into their world ranking. Um, that I think maybe Europe doesn't get as much of that. Um, so they come in with less high rankings. Well, I mean, the OWGR kind of favors European tour players hmm. statistically. Yeah. Um, I also think like the margin of difference between these players is like a stroke or two, um, you know, over the course of a tournament a lot of times. So like you're talking about like really, really good versus like really, really, really good. So like, especially when you break it down to match play it's almost like anyone's match anytime so like yeah on paper the american team can look like way better when you're going off of like this guy's winning first in the world this guy's winning third in the world but in reality like is first against 10th like that much of a difference like in the grand across scheme, potentially less than 18 holes yeah right. it's it's not that big of a difference but um on it, paper, it, feel, it, it feels like it feels like vegas is finally starting to get a bit more realistic with their odds creation right now us is minus 215 europe is plus 225 both from DraftKings. um with that being said i also think that the european team has looked better than it's ever looked on paper this year yeah i mean i don't want to get too far into players right now we can save that for matchups but um i think historically we've had an over inflated sense of how dominant the u.s team is just because of our individual prowess whereas what you guys have already spoke on is that we don't mesh very well i i feel like the u.s team comes in as a as a group of individuals versus europe comes in as a unified team which is kind of pretty wild to think about considering that they're a collective of different nations that speak different like languages and they still find a better way of unifying versus the just completely toxic ego fest that is the u.s (laughs) team almost every single you know Ryder cup um, does it take eight out of 11 Ryder cups to lose for us to finally check the ego at the door or what, or do you think we're going to be ailed with the same issues as we did before? I think there's going to be some residual ego. Like, I mean, Brooks and Bryson are on the team. Like, it's well, just uh, like we'll, we'll get the players, but yeah. Brooks may not be there. Yeah, he might not. We, I haven't heard anything about that, I, I, but we'll, we'll get to that here in a yeah, little bit yeah. as well. Regardless, you have two people that in the last three, two, three months have been on the headlines of 
most golf media outlets about them not liking each other and being in a, a, a beef. You do know, you so. do you think there'll be a power vacuum with Phil and Tiger both not being there in the sense as players? What do you mean by power vacuum? In the sense that like there's no real defined leadership now that players are going to be looking toward is like okay you're going to direct us like we have a captain but there's still like a, a I kind think, of a I think that bodes in our favor to be I, honest. I honestly think that having I don't. No, I don't think that's going to matter. I think you have enough captains and vice captains to take that role and to do that. Well, yeah, but I mean, it, it kind of has to do with like who who is who is your lead dog in that? I mean, I think it's clear that Rory is the leader of the European team, like without question. Like he's the guy that you're going to put out there as your either your anchor, or the guy that you want to be out in the front of the fight, because he's had the longest history within the Ryder Cup. He has a pretty good record. And he can mesh with anyone on that team. He's had so, history of being dominant with Ian Poulter. Like, you could pair him with anyone. Are you saying that Padraig Harrington's not the leader of that team? Rory is? I think there's... there's I think there's... <laughs> no, what I'm saying is I think there's a very fundamental role that the best, quote-unquote, or lead player has about kind of meeting people. Like, you can be a coach as much as you want, but Patrick Mahomes leads his team out on the field. Like, that's... There, there's something... Rory's be, also in one pairing like he's not out there with every yeah but there's group. five yeah, there's, there's five sessions that you can play and like if you're out there like getting mixing up with other different guys like they're, you're kind of carrying some guys along with you i think there's well, something then i to be would said. argue that that's rom and not rory well rory no, has you, you, way there's a, more there's, writer there's, there's a pedigree there's a pedigree like involved in the same way that spieth may not be playing the best golf out of everyone on the u.s team right now but he has the best historical rider cup performances in recent history and he has besides dj Probably the most history amongst anyone on that team. I think Spieth and JT are going to fill that role. I think both of them care a lot about the team event, and I think those are going to be the two guys who kind of step up and fill that re- leadership role for the U.S. team. Like the captain, the captains see... can say as much as they want, but they're not in their playing. Right. Like that's the difference. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see JT stepping into a big like hoorah, let's get it, boys, role. Like just mm-hmm. with him and Tiger's pairing at the Presidents Cup, how how you know, excited and, and he, hyped. He, he played got. well in Paris. Yeah. yeah, so I could I could see JT getting being that locker room guy that's like motivating the guys. You know, giving up those pep talks and getting them hyped to go out each day. Um, and they, like I like you said, I think you could Jordan could chime in there too. Um, but before we get too deep on like individual players and stuff, but we're, I, I'm this was still like a conversation about. You know, the chemistry within the team. Are we going to have the fighting spirit? Are we going to come as a unified team? You know, what is it? Do, do you think this team meshes well? Do we think that this is built in a way that's going to eliminate some of the ailments we have in the past? I mean, Brooks and DJ came to blows, apparently, that, yeah. at a previous Ryder Cup. You know, we have uh, Patrick Reed, who's badmouthed his team around him and told like that tiger had to apologize to him like yeah but patrick yeah. reed's not there so but, uh, i mean my, i that's, think that's I my think, that's my I, point yeah. i think i think if there's some like you know sore thumbs for lack of a better phrase on the american team it's it's brooks bryson and, and dj um i think everyone else if you took those three out of there just took them out i think this team would mesh really well together as a whole um yeah i think great chem guys colin morikow would be a great chem guy i think Xander will be a great chem guy. I think, you know, Scotty will be a great chem guy. Tony Fina will be a great chem guy. You know, I think a lot of these guys, you could throw pairings any way around and everyone's going to get along. It's it's really finding how to put the two oil and water of Brooks and, 
and Bryson out there, and there's just so many just mellow dudes. Like I think that there's enough mellow dudes to like take on Bryson and Brooks, right? I think that if you throw, you know, Brooks with a Harris English or or Harris English with Bryson, like Harris English seems like a guy that like something will come at him and it'll just roll off his back yeah, kind yeah. of thing, you know? Yeah. Let's talk about pairings here shortly. One thing I do want to talk about a bit is is whistling straights. Um, you know, course fit, which team do we think it kind of leans toward? You know, we've had this historical kind of back and forth that home team adva- home field advantage has been a huge thing. I mean, Hazeltine, the U.S. team, blew out the Europeans because we set up the course long and easy um, in terms of pin placements that favored the U.S. team, which are just, you know, they favor off the tee. And so it becomes this kind of back and forth of like, okay, Europeans are heavily favored in Europe and the U.S. is heavily favored in U- the U.S. because of we always have courses. Do we do we like that? Do we dislike that? Are we so worried about getting a U.S. win that we want to see a very diametrically opposed I think that golf? this year out of other years, it's going to matter less because I think the Europe- European team has gained some people this year that, you know, can play that American style golf, the bomb and gouge. And this course isn't necessarily just like it has other aspects to it. It's right on Lake Michigan. There's could potentially be a lot of wind. It's going to play more linksy style. It's not a links course, but the, it has that wind aspect off of the big, big ass Lake. That's essentially like an o- ocean. So if you get that wind coming from the East onto that shit, like it could, it could be, it could be like you're playing an oceanside course as far as wind goes. So, you know, I think a lot that could favor into a lot of European players' games, and they're not all necessarily long. I mean, they're not all short guys. No, I mean know? the only person who stands out as being relatively short is Ian Poulter, and yeah. and, and honestly, maybe Lee Westwood and Fleetwood a little bit. Besides that, like everyone else can kind of get. Oh, Fitzpatrick, P- yeah. Fitzpatrick without question yeah. is one of the shorter ones, but. Yeah, I mean, there's maybe three, four guys that you would have to maybe hide during the like the four ball, where like, but you can you can kind of make them work within an alternate shot situation where you put them in on the approach right. shots in those longer holes. I think it is a weird pick though, like you you kind of mentioned, it is a linksy style course. There's a good chance I, I, I would want to put the style like it's not it's not a links course, but well, as far as I, was, I know you yeah. weren't saying that, but I'm just but, trying to correct yeah, this yeah. that like it's not linksy at all, right? But it's it doesn't have a bunch of trees is yeah, basically the only thing. It's, but it's... The grasses aren't links-like. Honestly, the, the turf doesn't right. play like it. It's it's going to be cold and windy up there, and I think they're going to get rid of a lot of like the hay and stuff like that. So they're, it, it just doesn't necessarily make sense to me as like the American course that could give the Americans the advantage. I think it's... A, a, I think, yeah, well, that's kind of what I was touching on, how, saying like I don't think it's going to favor the Americans any too much more than it would the the europeans right but i do think it's going to be a cool venue i like whistling straights straights i think it's a very cool course i think it especially on tv it's gonna you know i think it's gonna um, play well on tv yeah, yeah it's gonna look cool on tv and um yeah it, it gives you that you know keep bringing links into it but it gives you that like ocean feel like you have a big body of water and yeah. some fescue grass yeah. like that's right. what people are yeah. kind of grabbing on to yeah. The well, the course may not be the biggest thing driving home field advantage for the U.S. team, but we do. We're playing in the U.S. We're going to have U.S. fans more than we're going to have European and fans there. They're European not allowing fans, European yeah, fans. I don't think they can even get over here. No. Well, maybe not like 
if you did it short term, but there's still gonna there's gonna be some European sure, fans there. Be, but it'll be it won't be like a normal Ryder Cup, I think. Where it, it'll I mean, be predominantly U.S. fans. Yeah, I mean, even at a standard Ryder Cup, it tends to fall sure. still heavily on the U.S. side, regardless. So, you know, how much of an effect do we think this home crowd is really going to have on the Ryder Cup? Because I think if there's an event that the crowd has an effect on more than anything other, it's going to be a Ryder Cup. Yeah, I think it'll be pretty huge. And I think, like we've seen in the last year, that golf fans are rowdier now than ever. I think people are going to be fired up to be there. So I, I think that definitely does have an impact. Because, frankly, I think the the international fans at Royal Melbourne actually had a, a decent effect on affecting some of For our sure. guys, especially like Patrick Reed, who got definitely got a little flustered <laughs> yeah. by them. He was also fresh out of a scandal with the fucking Yeah, it still got to him, thing. though. The crowd did something. Yeah, yeah but he's a weak-minded motherfucker. Well, but we have another guy named Bryson on the team who's not exactly strong. Yeah, well, he goes he's... straight to the PGA Tour and says, like, hey, you guys need to take care of this. They can't say this, that. He hey, has a whole whoa, fucking Whoa, why are you changing your tune? You're Bryson boy. What's going on here? Dude, I don't know what you're talking about. Dude's just Flip changing flop. with the wind. The, Listen, uh, can I not cheer for someone to win during a fucking golf tournament? Am I not allowed to do that? No, you're completely allowed to. You just got to yeah. own up to it now when you're a Bryson boy. I was just stri- I've never claimed to be a Bryson boy. There were two people in a playoff, one of which was on my girlfriend's fantasy team that I wanted to do well in the fantasy league, so I was cheering for Bryson to win. Sounds like a lot of steps to just get around the fact that you're a Bryson boy. The big thing here <laughs> is that Bryson's not going to be fielding a bunch of haters no, from, not on the US, U.S. side when he's yeah. wearing red, white, and blue. He's lucky it's not in Europe this year. Yeah. I I, th- I th- honestly think he would have been fucking ejected. It would have been a mess. In, in Europe. He yeah. would have done something real stupid. Yeah. Um, But, hey, it, I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, there was still... Maybe some drunk U.S. fans are going to say some stupid shit to him. You never know. It gets rowdy there. I hope everyone, quite honestly, starts just everyone says, I don't give a fuck, and just starts saying Brooksy. No. On one T, that would be crazy. I think Brooksy So here, here, here's something I did want to touch on with the podcast, too, is that, like, we're all from the United States. We're all American citizens. We all historically root for the United States in most sporting events. Like, uh, I yes. root for them in the World Cup. I root for them in the Olympics. I, yeah. The Ryder Cup is not is no different. I, I still root for the U.S. as a team in the Ryder Cup. I do kind of fall... I, I waver on that in certain respects. If I hate the U.S. player, or if I really dislike the U.S. player, I'm not rooting for him. I'm wondering how far your allegiance goes to the U.S. team. I will be rooting for the U.S. every single match. Okay. I mean, yeah. So I I guess I'm a little different in that in just that I can never root against Rombo. I will have a hard time like I I will be rooting for the US, but I want to see Rom play good. Um so he's like that super seed over the rest of your Wolfpack like if he's playing JT you're rooting for Rombo? Probably. Um, I mean, wow. that's just like, like I get what you're saying, but that's just like contradict. Like, if you're wanting the U.S. to win, and it's like, yeah, you, yeah, want, yeah. Wanting, you can you win. Want the, you, you want your cake and eat it too. Yeah, it's whatever. like watching fantasy football. I mean, Last it's it's an exhibition, dude. Yeah. Like, you're you're hoping for like that slim chance where it's like, for me, like I wanted Rory to beat Patrick Reed at Hazeltine. Yeah, but I still wanted the U.S. to win. I just didn't want the credit to go to yeah. fucking Patrick Reed because I already hated his fucking Captain America moniker. Yeah. He kind of embodies all the principles I don't want to be yeah, associated with America. Yeah, but then it's like, okay, the lo- U.S. ends up losing by a point, and that point could have been the flip for the win. I know, what as if my, my rooting is what the reason that it swayed the match. Rumbo. Yeah, but, I mean, still, it's like, okay, it might have been. It could have, I mean, you're fucking serious? serious? You never know, man. 
You never know. That's incredible. I didn't realize you were so <laughs> transcendental, <laughs> spiritual, yeah. Dude, I'm superstitious. Spiritual man. The vibes. They did it. Yeah, I mean, you get enough people thinking the one thinking thinking and wanting one thing, it could make a difference, you know. Okay. Sure. Um the uh I I come down to the fact that that's kind of where my my line stops is like if I if I'm really passionate about one guy and I really dislike the other, it it requires that two combo. For sure. Like when Rory is playing Patrick Reed, it's like fuck, dude, there's no yeah. way I'm rooting against one of my favorite players ever to play golf right. against a dude I one of my least favorite people on the planet. Yeah. Like, so it, that, that's an easy toss up for me. It's like, I'm rooting for Rory. (laughs) Yeah. I think if JT were playing Rom, I would probably be rooting for JT. Um, but that's probably, that is literally the only exception. What about Tiger? If he was in it? Oh, well, I'm, I'm a Tiger guy, so I'd definitely be rooting for Tiger. That's now two people in a matter of three minutes that he's now flipped on against Rom that he, yes, Tiger and JT. (laughs) Those are my two exceptions. What about Gerdog? Yeah, I was going to say, what about Westwood? Yeah, I can't against, do that. No, no, not Westwood. Woodland. I mean, Woodland, Woodland yeah. Yeah, West, I hate Westwood. No, but Woodland. no, Woodland, no, I would still be rooting for Rom. The crazy oh, thing is, wow. is that, well, first, you like, like Westwood and Rom two camp. years ago, it would have been a little different. Gerdog was your boy. Mm, I mean, Gerdog's, he's still it, one it, of your it, boys. It's but. tough when people fall out of, like, the limelight, you yeah. know? Like, not for me. I'll be rooting for Rick over <laughs> All the way into when he's, he's selling in the limelight, insurance. you know? Yeah, he's he he'll never lose he's, the limelight. He yeah. might lose golf. He, yeah, he's he's in the the commercial limelight for sure. I feel um, like Ricky's gonna be a hard staple in the uh, on the captains. He hasn't earned a vice captain. He's gonna spot. have his. You take those words right out. He of He doesn't mind. have a major. He doesn't even have a winning record in the Ryder Cup. See, I think that's bullshit. I don't. I don't like the. I think we could add some like people. They, I think the captains don't necessarily have to be like super prolific golf names. If they're not a super prolific golfer, they better be super prolific in something else. Like get Michael Phelps in there. Yeah. Or some <laughs> shit. I'm not opposed. To that. I'm not opposed to that at all. Like I'm just saying, Larry Ricky Gerald or something. Larry, or, sorry, sorry, Ricky has not earned a vice captain spot. I mean, let's be real. I'm just saying, you know, fucking five, seven years from now, like. You know, I think Rick would be a good team guy to have in the locker room. I'm sure he would be vibe of the week before hanging out with boys in fucking yeah. Pontiv- or in fucking Jupiter, but yeah. he's not getting on that fucking plane, man, unless he's fucking earned it. Listen, <laughs> we just don't see eye to eye on this conversation. I mean, I mean I- there's a limited number of vice captain spots, and Ricky's taken away from someone else. Look, that's the that's the reality of the situation. We can't have him. Just there for vibes. Yeah. I mean, he could be there for vibes, but just like if he bought his own plane ticket. And was yeah. I mean, we'll, the give, give, him the inside the, give him inside the ropes. Yeah, yeah, pass. yeah. He could sure. ha- Like, Ricky will probably have his own fucking commercial podcast by that. Sponsored by fucking Rocket Mortgage. Who knows? I was going to say State Farm, but yeah, or Farmers. But I mean, who, who's to say? He's, there's, a, there's a plethora of sponsors to choose from. Yeah. Um, the, the main thing being here is... We gotta we gotta have something more in support in terms of vibe. So before we get into players, maybe we should discuss vice captains. They th- there's a big name that people probably were vying to be on the the, the players list for the U.S. There were definitely people, but but ended up being a vice captain, which I think probably all of us here agree with being a vice captain, and that's Fig Jam. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Vice captain is a great role for him. He can record all of his Instagram videos from the sidelines and get. And people I do fired think up. he definitely adds like a ton of value as a vice captain. A hundred percent. Oh, he will be a great needler for the European against the European squad. Well, not only that, like he has a 
ton of golf knowledge and match play and Ryder Cup experience. Like, yeah. You know, he may not have been the best in all the Ryder Cups. He wasn't awful, though. No, like, he was I, I think than people Tiger. kind of. I think people over. Well, I think a lot of the reason why people kind of paint Phil as like a a less than stellar Ryder Cupper is that he's played so many, and people tend to hold on to the negatives with this sort of stuff. When you're in your fucking fifties and you're qualifying for Ryder Cups, just you know, a couple years prior, like. Well, he was you're gonna have you're gonna have at Fr- in France. He was a captain, right. right? But you're eligible and you're a reasonable pick. I, yeah. I think a lot of people. He wasn't reasonable. He shouldn't have been on the team. That's what I was going back to with Stricker making good picks this year. Like Phil was a bad pick last year. He was he, a bad pick for course fit. Yeah, but it, he had also won that year and he was, won this year a major. I was not done picking and saying what I was saying. He had won that year and he was consistently contending in tournaments and he was like in the top fucking like 20 in the world. Yeah. Like he was a bad fit for Le Golf National, like without question. Like he sprays it off the tee. Like it's super penal off the tee. Yeah, regardless, it's- people were saying that before the Ryder Cup and it was, it was known that that was a thing. And just because he was like, a clear pick and a big name. That's who they picked well, instead of going with a guy like. Look, Kaysner I think it goes back something. to your point earlier about like being able to look back retroactively on something. Like I agree that I wouldn't have picked Phil for that team in the same way I wouldn't pick Kevin Kisner for this and I team. Think we were but saying I, that before the Ryder Cup that year. You know. Yes, but what I'm trying to say is that I can understand why someone picked Phil, and I can understand why someone would choose Kevin Kisner for this event. But I'm glad neither like that he Correct. wasn't chose for this team, and I would have preferred Phil not being chose for that. But I'm just saying, like, he was playing at a caliber where he didn't look like a goon being in the Ryder Cup. Yeah. In the same way that if someone had picked fucking... I don't want to disparage somebody right now. But, like, he wasn't, like, faking it out there. Like, it just... I don't even... I I don't know. Like, the point being is that, like, Phil historically hasn't been a horrible Ryder Cupper. He's just played more than almost anybody in these things. And... That there should be some credit to that. Yeah, I just think like I everything you said, I get. Uh, I just think that if you're going to be a captain, you should have the fucking gonads to be able to make the correct decisions in that situation. Like you're the captain for a reason. Everybody knows Phil sprays the ball off the tee. Like it should have been an easy like. Okay, he's not a good course fit. This is the guys we should be picking from. But instead, he let the fucking populace of people's public opinion really wanting Phil to influence his decision. Do you think it was that, or do you think he weighed his experience in the event and things like that into making the choice? Well, then make him a captain. Yeah, I get that. But, I mean, he probably is someone who was ranked top 20 in the world, didn't want to be a captain. He wanted to yeah, be on course. the team. Yeah, of course. I'm sure he wanted to play, would have rather been playing this year, too. Yeah, that's true. You know? Look, I mean, the, the main thing for me would have been if Phil wasn't there, Xander would have been there. And, like, I, I'm a Xander sure. guy. And yeah. so I think he would have been the better pick considering he, at the time, was playing and still is playing really good golf. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, look, I I think Phil historically has been underrated as terms of a, as a Ryder Cup player. He's had some less than stellar performances as of recently. I think a part of that has to do with age and how, you know, he, he hasn't been a great course fit for some of these previous, you know, cur- current ones. But he's also played some pretty incredible golf at Ryder Cups, too. So, 
you know, it, it comes back to a lot of this being an individualized sport and he tends to play very well as an individual and you don't see him having the same impact as he did as an individual player on these Ryder Cup teams. Sure. You'd expect from someone like Phil. Right. And that, you know, goes doubly for he, Tiger. As I said before, I think he's going to be a great vice captain. I do too. Yeah. yeah. No question. He adds a ton of value. Yeah. I'm excited to see how he Along can with his co-vice captain, Freddie Couples, who... I feel like he should just be an automatic vice captain at every Ryder Cup. If 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 they open it up to like a third spot, I don't think you should constantly like have the one of two vice captain spots. <laughs> yeah, I could. I would be very open to a third captain. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think that. I mean, look, I like Freddie Couples, but at a certain point, I think he's like almost like the Bill Murray of like the <laughs> team, where it's just like, yeah, thanks for being around. Yeah. Like we we appreciate. It. I, I'm wondering how much like credible like value you're still bringing long term into it things yeah but i don't know i think he does bring a lot i mean he's got a lot of how how intrinsically connected is he to the modern game though like his game was already very different than his competitors when he was playing how far attached is he now from the modern game like i would say pretty drastically yeah but i I it it com- I guess it comes down to what do you want from your vice captain? Someone who can kind of diagnose what's currently going on within the match and how you're playing. I think, or is it that someone can, that is just bringing vibes? I think it's someone that can can like if you're in the middle of a match and it's not necessarily going your your team's way, he's one of those guys that can bring you back down to earth and like put you in a place where like, listen, guys, you're not out of this. Like, I, I think his. His age and his experience on the tour and everything that he's gone through, that he is one of those guys that can talk you into, you know, coming back or playing well in a situation that other guys might not be able to. I get it. But to me, that pretty much comes down to like you're bringing an emotional value to the to the team. I would just go get a sports psychologist. <laughs> I'm sure they have plenty of those. I, I, sports I, I, sports guy, psychologists aren't a guy that all these guys respect. And so here comes my other point: is that if it's going to be someone that they have, they they should respect, and is also like a talented player, it should be someone who's more connected to the modern game and has done more stuff recently. I, yeah, I, I think you're undervaluing his how locked into the game he is. I, I don't think any of us know for sure, but I also don't think it's like that big of a reach to say like yeah he hasn't been in professional golf for that long but it's like okay we're really just talking about equipment advances well but i th- think he no, plays I, uh, the game differently than a lot of the way yeah but the a guys lot of every now. golfer approaches the game differently you know look i'm not trying to sit up here and try to like just take digs at fred couples he just seems like one of the greatest dudes ever the and I, I don't even think he's completely out of place being a vice captain right now. My point more being is that if if he's walking down the fairway with Bryson, like I just I, I don't see what he's doing beyond just being a a bomb diffuser for that guy. You know, like that seems I, like a good role for him. I mean, <laughs> which is fine. How many guys can you compare Bryson's game to anyway? I mean, I would like say, I would I, no, I would I would say someone like Brooks and DJ. To, to, a, to a large degree, are kind of playing the same bomb and gouge kind yeah, of golf. Yeah, but at, in a captain's role? What do like, you mean? So we're talking about Fred Couples as a vice captain. Like, how many captain eligible I mean, captains? Tiger is the answer. <laughs> and obviously he's not but doing like, it. But, like, even, even, like, no one is playing the same game as Bryson right for now. For sure. And you can say that about any PGA Tour player, too. Like, it's just, 
you know, you you can have the longest guys, and then Bryson's thirty yards in front of him. You know, it's just yeah, and it's not hard to understand that game. It's like okay, you hit it as far as you can, and then you get a wedge in. Like yeah. that's not a hard game to understand, like, right? I think you're oversimplifying like the complexity of golf to a degree, and like the strategy, and 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 I would almost and start, who would know that strategy better than a, a veteran like Fred Fred Couples, who I, who plays a strategic game, who isn't a long hitter, like it, it's. What's what's the I mean, look, God, I hate being put in this position, but like the I wouldn't like what what's the, what's the value in maybe choosing someone like Bubba, Bubba Watson as a vice captain, like someone who is still competitive on tour that people as of recently have started to get along really well with that still plays the modern game to a varying degree. And I would almost put more emphasis on somebody who like who's a local to that area. I mean, obviously you have Steve Stricker being the local sure. to a varying degree, but like other people that have a large familiarity with whistling straights. I don't know yeah. Fred Couples history there. I feel so weird having to like argue against Fred Couples right now. It doesn't feel that important to me. It just comes down to just like, I don't want to see the same dudes as vice captains for, right. for 12 years of this. And it's being like, but he's just a mainstay. It's just like, Let's get some other people some opportunities For to possibly sure. have a I great mean, impact too. I mean, I was too. saying that tongue in cheek, like he can be there every year, but like I also wouldn't be like super opposed to it. I think he's a great captain and like in general. Like if there was a guy that's like an, how do we know that though? How do we clear, know he's a great captain? Like we've lost eight of the last eleven yeah. of these. Like how do we know he's a great captain? I mean, how much do the captains really influence? We could say too. Then why are we talking about this? I don't. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know the answer to that because we. This is what we were bringing up. We were talking about the captains, and so we're talking about it. Like you. you <laughs> but you were you the, were talking about the the ways he could impact something, and now we're kind of walking it back as possibly being completely worthless. So like, well, I mean, that's. I was just opening that door because you're like, talking about how much they really matter well i think a lot of it too is that like they're not just talking to the guys out on the course too they're they're providing an ear to the captain when he's making his selections too it's just like if you're detached from the modern game potentially and you're not watching these guys on tour every day like someone like bubba watson is bubba has much more clear insight playing side by side with these guys that you don't think that fred couples is locked into the modern game and knows who i don't know but i I know who someone who is someone who's playing on the tour about someone who's standing next to them on the tee box but uh, again phil fills that role really well and phil is another guy that i would like to have talking to bryson i agree in an event once again i hate arguing against fred couples right now but i'm just saying like he's been here for a while and I would be open to possibly opening up a third Some spot so he can blood. stay there. Yeah. But I would like to see a clean rotation of sure. things mixing it up. In the same way, that I didn't love the idea of Davis Love being captain multiple times. Right. Like it, just, it. I would like to see, a, a, especially with this being an exhibition, right? Like yeah. try to get a clean rotation of things going on that keeps it fresh. Like I think they need to figure out how to make their pairings correctly. Like, I don't know. I don't necessarily think, like, the pod method is the best way. Or... Let's get to that right here in a second. Because um, I think we should get into picks and, like, formatting and how we structure this thing. Yeah. I want to tie a bow on whistling straights and just generally how home field advantage kind of seems to be a mainstay mm-hmm. right now. I, I would be curious to hear if you guys think that core setup, core selection, venue setup should go to a third party. That's separate from both Europe and the U.S. I like the idea of each team gets to pick just because it's more like a, a sporting event, like home field advantage. And you, I, I like it that way. I, I like being able to set it up like we're coming back to Europe or we're coming back to the U.S. And it's, you know, we get to pick the course, we get to pick how it's set up. I think it adds 
a dynamic to it where if it's a third party, it's going to be kind of like, you know, more similar each time. What we've seen most recently, though, is that it tends to give us predictable results, which is like you win on home soil, you win on home soil, you win well, on home I soil, mean, you win on home soil. Like you've said, we've we, we've lost eight of the last 11. We lost by a putt, though, at Medina, which was yeah. on U.S. soil, and it was like a meteoric, like, wild thing. Right. Like, where we haven't seen that recently. We blew them out in Hazeltine, they blew us out in Paris. Right. Like, so I would, I like the idea of a third party, um, because when I think of sport, like, imagine in basketball like okay the home team gets to pick where the three-point line is like golden state has their three-point line you know four feet further back than anywhere else i like yeah, but these are sports that have a setup like that it's a field and the specific dimensions in each field right. they don't there isn't like day to day they're moving the rim and stuff like yeah. in golf like you you move the hole each it's part day. of the game the yeah. variability is part of the well, game well and baseball is the best analogy where you know like in new york they have a really short fence in right field but it so goes they against get a your bunch argument. of lift. i know i know i'm we're processing as we go so i get it both ways but i think for me it would be more fun to have a third party um i mean do do i do would i be happy to happily enjoy like how they had an Inverness set up for the Solheim, like, and it's like major esque. Of course, I would love to watch that. But do I like the idea that the team gets to pick how they want it? I, I like that too. You know? Which one do you think translate to more entertaining golf? Like I said, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of the. Yeah, Solheim. but you have to watch the President's Cup, and that's like where we would not see a Royal Melbourne type place right. if we were choosing the venue. Yeah, I think the third party definitely leans to more entertaining golf. Um, and that's also just because well, I don't that's yet to see, cause we haven't had it happen, you know? Sorry. Say it again. That's an assumption. It's assuming that they would set it that up how you would like set it up how I would like. That's yeah. exactly right. I missed what it was. So I was saying, I think the third party would be more entertaining, but he's right. I have no idea what they would do. Um, but I like the idea of it. Well, being... I think the reason it would get started for the same reason that we're saying now is that they've clearly seen a clear home and field advantage that has resulted in less than desirable enter entertainment of golf. Right. I think you could probably say without pretty objective factors that Hazeltine was almost the exact same setup day in and day out and pins remained in the middle of the greens. There right. wasn't much challenge in terms of approach shots and you saw all of the excitement come on the greens with like bombing long putts. Right. And like you really didn't see the the quality of shot making on that course and a lot of that comes back to Hazeltine too. Like I understand that they were throwing pins in the center of the greens and stretching out the course, but like Hazeltine isn't like Like I said, and we got to choose the venue. I get it. I'm just saying like that that course doesn't really add like you're not going to be seeing like super exciting like recovery shots and shit you know it's going to be like just your typical pga tours course essentially right yeah and i think that's emblematic I think that's going to be problem. different at whistling straights for sure even if they set it up like a typical american golf course yeah this will be the test right this will, but the, here's the thing is that if we lose it oh they're gonna go even harder than hazeltine they're gonna play at a fucking riverside mm -hmm. i mean yeah we'll you know we'll see how how it goes I, I mean you know I, I, who knows i just don't know how it's well the go. question was would you prefer it going to a third party or not and you've said no yeah. and you've said yes yeah. and i think i fall in the same camp as you is is yes if you didn't already realize it from yeah. the way i was phrasing the question yeah. um 
Okay. That, that to me, I think that puts a nice bow on, you know, the history and the course and a bit inside the team rooms to a varying degree. I think this is a part that most people are going to spend their time on. Let's talk players. Um, as of today, Europe has their entire squad. We've had our entire squad for a little while. Two big fundamental things to talk about about how these squads were compiled, though. The U.S. had six automatic qualifiers and then six captain's picks, which was new for this Ryder Cup. And then the European team, I believe, had nine automatic qualifiers and just three captain's picks, Correct. which is you know significantly different than how the, the American team was put together. Um, which system do you prefer um which system do you think is more effective at putting together uh a better team more consistently i mean that's hard to say just because they're going off of different ranking systems with them having european points and world points versus us just looking at world points and then doing the six captain picks i like more captains picks i think that gives you the opportunity to put together a team that makes sense from a course fit standpoint and from a, a camaraderie standpoint. So I like that we have six captain's picks that we can work with. Um, so I think the way we picked, I think that bodes in our favor. Um, but it's hard to say. Um, I prefer the way that the U.S. did their team. Um, I like the idea of having more options at your disposal. Um I don't think they really pick, took like took full advantage of that. I think they did more so than other years for sure. But like, you know, three or four out of the six captain picks were relatively straightforward off of points. So it was like they had the same European like nine out of twelve. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get to whether you would have made those picks or if those were the right picks. Right now, I'd be interested to hear if you guys were having to choose between the two systems: six captains picks or three captains picks. Which ones would you have preferred for your team? Clearly, Ryan, you you said that you would have preferred to have yeah. six captains picks for for your team, um, and this isn't U.S. captains. This is U.S. like a rooting fan base for right. your team consistently. Yeah, Dave, are you saying that you would prefer that your team, in terms of like the team that you root for that you want I to would, win, has six captains picks? I would prefer it being twelve captains picks. That's not what the question was, but thank you. Okay. Okay. Well, I would prefer out of the three or six, or I would prefer six. But if I had my choice, I would yeah, have wasn't all the twelve of them. So the the thing that I want to point out to is that um, I tend to agree that I think six captains picks is better for your team's likelihood of winning, but it requires a steadfast and intelligent captain to make for those sure. picks and analyze course fit. And to understand the, these players' as games and be very in tune to the modern game, um, you may not always get that from your team. And there right. is the the long term, you know, uh, kind of assessment of this is that maybe when it all shakes out over the course of a twenty year stretch, that the world points tend to field the best teams when you have captains that can be swayed by. What if? You know, Phil made one more win that season, even though he didn't have other top tens, and he kind of pressures Steve Stricker into sure. picking him. I think if he went public with some of his requests or his desires, Stricker probably would have picked him. But I yeah. think he actually backed off a little bit and understood that he wasn't playing his best golf. Right. But it could have easily gone the other way. That's true. I, I and guess that I, means your team's vulnerable to get some fucking wild cards in there that may not Phil have been. Phil Mickelson, just for reference, was 20th on Ryder Cup points. I don't, like I think with what Paris has sh shown us in times before or with Tiger is that like it doesn't really matter if you're close friends with the captain. 
Yeah. I can. I think if 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 Phil went to a room with Strick, was like, hey man, I know it didn't look like it, but like I won the PGA, I'm, I'm back in that form again. Like just trust me, put me in. I think he would have done it. So I guess what you're saying is that the six captains picks makes the captain's role way more important. And yeah, it's more. It has far bigger of an effect sure. on how your team could perform. Like, like, like I said, there's a lot of potential picks that people were vying for online, like Kevin Na or Kevin Kisner, Kisner yeah. that may not be the best course fit picks for something like Whistling Straits that could adversely affect it. Whereas those guys wouldn't have qualified on points, right. and we would have seen a, a squad more similar to this. Not entirely, but like more similar to this which in my opinion i think is cool because i think captains need to have a role in this whole thing otherwise like what the fuck are they doing i 100 percent agree i'm trying to play the devil's advocate of the sense of like someone could fuck it up especially yeah, right. toward the sense of like 12 captains yeah picks. which is which i think is dope because, unless your captain fucks well, up yeah, hard your okay pissed. you can fuck up our team that year but you're never going to be a fucking captain again like if you royally fuck up your 12 picks or six picks like which he he played, but it's like, it's hard to know like if the picks are what fucked up something, right? Like, it it, it, well, it if you, you could, it's easy to place blame on that, but if someone picked you know Phil and Tiger, it's like look, they're the greatest golfers of all time, right. dude. Like, well, if you go out on a, it depends on how you decide to play it out, right? If you go out and are bold and like go get a Sam Burns and fucking Homa and people like that and like are really like bold in your decisions and your strategy and like no i'm going with a youthful fucking young american team that i think is going to go and have you know have a chip on their shoulder and like we've lost eight of the last 11 and we want to go whoop their ass and they come through and it's like damn he made the right move but it could also turn around and bite you in the ass and yeah you might never never be a fucking captain again but at least you fucking change it up instead of going by just strict fucking analytics and like yeah, these people did the best on solo fucking PGA Tour tournaments instead of, like, we're playing an exhibition. Like, this isn't a normal Yeah, it PGA. comes back to the Miracle on Ice thing. Yeah, it's well, like, I'm picking the right guys, not the best guys. Yeah, but I think what I'm hearing from you is that the, the safer option is go with nine picks because you know they're playing the best golf as of recent, nine, right? Nine picks isn't... Or, no, I'm sorry, nine... Uh, point points qualifications point qualifiers i i think um, i think we've found a very happy medium with yeah. six captain's picks and six qualifiers um you Quite know literally the, half of the team um a happy medium the 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 thing that that can bite you though is stuff like bryson who qualified third on points and could be a bad thing for the locker room or if patrick reed didn't have as cold of a back half of his year and he qualifies on points or something like right. that where you where if you had 12 captain's picks it pretty much comes together as like all right let me build the squad that's gonna get along well and like they're gonna still play well yeah but then you could have guys that like are old guard that don't pay like i, I could see davis love this year he would have picked like Kucher and Zach Johnson and Jimmy Walker be like these guys are veterans of the Ryder Cup. It's like yeah, they're <laughs> veterans because you don't let anyone else become a veteran. Yeah. So it, it 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 comes down to like, I get scared about some old dude who's not in touch with the game making kind of irrational picks if they have twelve things to choose from. For sure. I think you're putting a big blanket over like older golfers and them not being in touch with the game. Like you're, I've watched you're a lot so, of crazy Ryder Cup teams put together that don't make a whole lot of sense. This is the first team that you've had six captains' choice. By what you've said, it's generally been. Nine, I know, and think correct? of how much damage they've done with just three of them. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's fair. Like 
I, I'm just trying once again to provide some sort of like back and forth to this particular discussion because I think it's all fun and it's all nice to think of 12 captains pick when you're the one picking them. But then all of a sudden you make this person have all the, 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 the choice for this. And then when you're when you and your vice captains are all people of the same kind of demographic, it becomes sure. like, let hear me out on this idea here. It just came to me right now. Oh you start with the captain and the co-captains, which is three people. They make the first pick. Then you bring the first pick into it. Then there's four of you. You guys come to an agreement on the next pick and then so on and so on and so on. So now I this is that could elementary build. school volleyball or dodgeball where it's like, hey, you got to pick up this guy. He's my buddy. And it, yeah. I think that gets oh, dangerous. Oh, 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 oh. Well, but I, you're also picking guys that get along and would not, you know, you're bringing the team into it and it's guys that could mesh well together. It's not like you're picking this guy and then this guy's going to the other team. Like your pool is staying the same. I think the, the issue with that, firstly, I would say I I like the idea. I think it's an interesting idea. The thing I have an issue with that is once you get further down, you're going to get more discord. You're going to get more people kind of possibly disagreeing on certain things. And all of a sudden, if it doesn't go one person's way, people know that I didn't want you on this team. Right. And if it were up to me, you wouldn't be here. That's when you, you, you implement like an anonymous vote where you just throw the names in and kind of removes your whole thing about discourse though. And talking well, you with different do guys. talk about it and you bring up, you know, positive and negatives about the people that, you know, are potential picks. And then you go from there. Like, like if survi- I spent 15, if I spent 15 minutes talking about why I really don't want Webb Simpson there. And then I cast my vote and there's one thing against Webb, Webb Simpson. It was probably me. Yeah, probably. But the only people that are going to know that are the people that voted. And, the, yeah, they could say something. And if he's the last pick, it's everyone on the team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And well, I'm but sure then you're probably not getting paired with Webb anyway. It's probably going to be okay. And that, I'm not going to be the only one disagreeing about something, though. No. Look, I'm saying is like that's not a bad idea. I'm just yeah. saying like that's a potential downside of it is that you're, you're sure. bringing think- in responsibility to players that expose them to p- potential bad chemistry. Yeah, and versus I, if it's just like, look, Steve Stricker, he made his choices. Like, I can't say, I can't say whether or not that was the right pick. It's but not. Then up to again, me. you're also having to go in as a player, and uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I also think that we're, I think talent is still more important than vibes. Like, I, I think that, like, I think if you're paired with a bad a guy you don't want to be paired with, it can completely fuck up your whole match. Kind of, but I'm so, so someone like Bryson, I want Bryson on this team. I don't like Bryson, but if you told me I could swap him for Kisner at Whistling Straits because Kisner's a homie and it's not I would swap, I would swap I, Bryson I would, for I, a lot of people I would right swipe, now. I would swipe Sam Burns in for Bryson in a heartbeat. I would swipe, I would swipe fucking, in Kokrak in. I was about to say Kokrak makes Kokrak sense. In. I get that. Sam would, Burns, Kokrak... Fucking Webb. I would take Webb okay. over fucking Bryson right My now. My point, without getting too far down, was just that, like, you still have to put some kind of credit towards ability and not just make this a homie fest. And I, 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 I think agree, I agree ranking... with that, but I, I would weigh in more someone's ability to fit well for this particular track. Sure. To be able to play with other people's play styles. Think of how inflexible Bryson's game is sure. like he needs his clubs a certain way he needs his ball a certain way he needs all this sort of stuff like yeah, think of how shot nightmare yeah like the, think of how often he gets in his caddy's ear think of if like another player is involved and like put me in this position because of this thing and this and like it just sure 
he sounds like he'd be a nightmare well, to play with. Well, and I get that Bryson is probably a bad example for this setting, that he is like the extreme but of But play the style is another big important yeah. thing about this, is that like if you're if you're a player that tends to play a fade, it's probably smart to also play with someone who sure. plays a fade. He sees the course he, the same way. Not just that you see the course the same way, but your misses tend to be right. Right. And the best way to get out of a right miss is with another right-shaped shot. Yeah. Because you have to probably play out left and then bring right. it back right. Sure. So that sort of thing, to me, I think is is potentially important. Um, beyond that, I think you get to, you get back down to just making the right picks for course fit. But before we get into picks for the la- like the very last time, Dave, you spoke about how you may not be completely sold in the pod system. And I think we should talk about how do you utilize your picks? Is it, you know, you just let the dudes choose who they want to play with? Do you put them in these kind of chem chem groups that well, basically... Uh, uh, do you want to... Sorry. Go ahead. Um, going, kind of touching on what Ryan said, like fucking PE school gym thing. I think you fucking let the guys into a room and be like, hey, listen, find your partner. And more than likely, there's going to be guys that go to each other real quickly. And then there's going to be a few that are just like, oh, man, I can't I find the guy I want to be with. And I then those guys him. get together. And, yeah, you're going to have a couple groups that aren't bad. But you're going to have the majority of groups that are going to be good and get points for us. I absolutely hate that idea. Yeah, that's <laughs> a little terrifying. It, I mean, no, just, you're going you're gonna to firstly ostracize some of your players, and they're going to have the worst self-esteem going into so into the Ryder Cup. Where well, then those guys everything. shouldn't have been on the fucking team because they're weak fucking-minded. Okay, but they're the third best golfer in the world. Well, then, that's, then you're fucking weak-minded. If you can't fucking get over the fact that a guy didn't want to be your partner and you're left with fucking Harris Not English or whoever. Not just that guy want to be your partner. Anybody, Anybody want to be well, your partner? Well, ten guy or fucking eleven other guys didn't want to be your partner. Sure. All right, but Dave, this is your job as the captain of this team is to make sure that the weak-minded dude who's super talented doesn't feel ostracized and abandoned. Like you want to utilize his talent and make him feel. Yeah. Well, like if I was it, captain, it would have been twelve well, captain picks, sure, and I fucking right, would well, have picked the guys on the team. Dave, that we're I not that's playing not the, your fantasy rider. We're playing this one. I understand that, and that's how I would do it. Yeah, and I think you get a, probably a bad result out of those players. It's never been done, so we don't know. Okay. Cool, live in that mystery. The besides, okay, so your idea for pairings is just the players decide. They get you put them in a room. You just don't do any work, and you as a captain just be like, you guys figure it out. Run it by fucking, you know, whatever. Listen, I'll be in the room and there to talk to all of them, but you know, like I think that I think and generally when guys are happy to go and pair up with each other, that pairing is going to be fucking solid and happy. And I think the majority of the pairings are going to be solid and happy. And what do you need? But that the majority, not, that, But solid and happy may not equate to good golf. Think of someone like Leona McGuire and Mel Reed at the Solheim Cup. Didn't even really know each other before this, and they were the best, strongest pairing out yeah, there. I understand that there's there's that. Who's to say that those awkward pair, the awkward two or three pairings at the end won't end up being Because great your comfort together. is familiarity. And you're going to lean toward your friends because, one, this is an exhibition you want to have fun. The other thing being is that, like, if your goal as a captain is to get a win, you also are trying to look at it from the outside observer's perspective in the sense that, like, I see this person's play style and this play style, and I see them in a way that they don't see themselves because they're too close of it. And I can see that they're going to well, work then, really well as partners. Well, then you, you act on the fly. If that doesn't come out and work well day two, then I fucking implement something else. Like, you know? I say, hey, fucking Bryson, you're playing like shit with this guy. Go play with this this guy. 
Okay, so it sounds like it's a mixture of different methods. Well, I'm just saying that's how together. I would start 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 it off. So they get to choose first day or first session. Yeah, and hey, then listen, after that, it's... you guys find a pairing that you're like. You guys find pairings, and we're gonna. That's how we're gonna go out. Fucking day one. If those, we'll see how those pairings shake out. If two guys don't feel great together, you guys played like shit. Then we'll fucking throw it in a blender and fucking pop another one out. Okay. Quick, quick question. I don't want to, you know, create a tangent here, but did you do that for your Ranger cup team, Dave? Did you let them choose their pairings or did you choose your pairings? I chose the pairing. Huh? Interesting. Can't even take his own advice. Hold on. He did ask if anyone on the team had any requests. Yeah, I did ask, but you didn't put them into a room and no one said anything. I don't think you're going to have these guys say anything too much in the Ryder cup either. Yeah. Like, Hey cap, you got to put me with this guy. Like, they're going to just want to be good play. Like, they just want to be good teammates. teammates. Like, put me with whoever you want. I mean, sure. I think it's just indicative if you didn't do it for your own team. I mean, we should have rented a gym and played dodgeball. <laughs> That's what I think should have happened for the Ranger Cup. All right, not to get on a tangent with Ranger Cup. Yeah. All right, Ryan, is there a particular method that you would do your pairings or that you would – would you take a this kind of uh, – this fully – pure democracy approach to it or would you have a bit more of an authoritarian i like the way that they do it now i think it makes the most sense the pods that's hold on that's that's a that's a loaded thing because european teams and u.s teams do things differently i like the way the u.s does it i should say i like the pod just for clarity's purposes like what is what is that strategy to you because you may not have the exact thing that what other people think the u.s team does yeah so to me i think that they're taking guys that are a good course fit that, that work together that that kind of it seems to me that they're pairing yin and yangs so firstly right now and it's sometimes alternates bits on captains but the u.s Ryder cup team has recently tended to use a pod system right a pod being four guys right and the four guys are selected on a variety of factors usually it tends to have to do with play style course fit as well as the guys pairings with one another and then team chemistry amongst those different pods so like you tend for the entirety of the Ryder Cup to not move outside of your pod. Your four guys. If you yeah. didn't play well with one of those guys in the pod, you would potentially change it. Right. And that's kind of how that would happen. That Just to kind of equate. Right. So, like, just as a totally random example, and I don't know the pods off the top of my head here, but, like, if DJ... They don't outwardly usually say yeah. what the pods are. So, if DJ and Finau weren't in the same pod, they would never be paired together Correct. under any circumstance. I mean, I don't know about any other circumstance. Any circumstance, like, but majority of the time, they're going to stick to the four guys. We think yeah. y'all are the best fit. Right. I think that makes a ton of sense just from a level of, like, let's not make this too crazy and chaotic. Like, there's so much that they're having to think about there that to just, like, try and mix up pairings every day on the fly. It's trying to blend, like, it's trying to blend some foundational structure with some fluidity it's like you have this ability to kind of experiment within your pod but you don't have the complete freedom to just go willy-nilly because the thing that the idea of the pod is that like you guys can now practice together you guys can kind of spend more time dialoguing about ways that you guys could potentially play with each other it gives some flexibility and freedom to the players without being a complete free free reign like a you know a gym where you get locked in and you choose your shit yeah like and, you know, these things go by quickly. You have multiple sessions a day. The days come by really quickly. They're long. Like, you don't have a ton of time to deliberate between sessions to make certain picks and people going out. Like, as a player, your focus is on the course to play the best that you can. You're not really thinking super long-term throughout the weekend. For sure. Well, and imagine, like, if 
with the the four guys, they probably all have a chance to do a couple practice rounds with a little bit of alt shot and everything like that. Imagine if they just said it on Saturday. All right, you guys are doing alt shot together. You've never played alt shot. You guys play a different ball and a different shot shape. It could be really chaotic, and at least with the pods, they probably have a chance to have a little bit of an idea what they're getting into. Yeah. Um. So pods, um, some sort of mishmash, freeform factor, pure democracy, followed by some sort of mom comes in and, and sets people straight if they need to. Um, I wouldn't even call it a democracy. I was going to say like a free free market. Free, yeah, free free for all. Like anarchy. Not anarchy, but you know, you let the the chicks out to find some food, and you know, there might be a chick that's not getting any food out in the corner, and the other guys are like. The idea behind pure pure democracy, like from old Greek, is just like everyone had an equal vote on what happens, and if that's how they self-select, then that's how they self-select. But the okay, so that's the way you break it down. Yeah, I don't really have a huge preference on this. I would like to have a bit more freedom from a pod system than that. I, I, I would probably adhere to a pod system, but I would make that pod system extremely fluid during practice days sure. where it's like, this isn't your pod for the entire, like if you, if I see things kind of not even being slightly quite what I'm expecting, I would probably move those people around I, before the start of the week. I just remember something and I, and I wish I remembered better, but during the president's cup, there was a clear group or something that we were like, why are these people still playing together? Like, this person and this person clearly seem like they would be good it was, for us. It, it, it was Patrick Reed adjacent, wasn't it? No, I was the person who vehemently thought it was insane to put Bryson and Phil together just because they're both intellectuals yeah. or whatever. Their games don't make sense at all together. Yeah, yeah, I wish I remembered better, but I remember like it was clear from most people that like we were group texting with and stuff that like it's like why are these two people still together during this like they wait should've... were you saying president's cup or Ryder cup president's cup okay i don't think it was um but i don't remember um i don't know what a weird tangent that is for me down um i so back to what i, I think i would do with the 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 pairings or with the pod system is that I would try to make it more free form than a pod system in terms of its rigidity throughout the weekend, but I would try to try to keep like minded guys together in terms of their temperament, their play style, um, and their general kind of uh amenability to, to to that strategy to the course. I would try to probably put um, that's this is another reason why I think three vice captains would be great is that each vice captain would have a pod and they would be able to kind of like make sure they're doing everything they need for their guys. And like, they would keep them, you know, if they're feeling a certain way to kind of be a bit more of a, a psychological kind of aid to them than just like the kind of weird current setup of the one and two. But, uh, beyond that, I, I don't, have a huge amount of issue with the pod system uh i i don't know how much it really makes that much of a when difference. it works it's it's praised but when it goes bad it goes bad it's like everything with the Ryder cup yeah um but it it just makes another form of selecting that much more difficult right maybe maybe to me like i may not be super toward a bunch of guys choosing like their playing partners but i may be more open to guys trying to kind of self-select their pods though um, to a degree, like, I, I, I don't know how much, so, I, yeah, I think I'm one way or the other. Like I want all the guys to pick who they're playing with, or I am going to pick who you're playing with. 
unless it goes badly the first do day. they have then I, then I will change who you're playing with so do they they currently do three pods of four correct yeah so do you think like two pods of six that's not really you, a pod anymore well, <laughs> two teams so you have a little bit more flexibility within that but they still have enough time to practice together and play together yeah i mean the difficulty with the pods too is that like usually by nature a lot of your pod may not be playing much and all yeah. of a sudden it becomes like this weird kind of mix of things i don't know sure. it, it's it's all very maybe the yeah maybe the right system i also think you need yet. to be uh, the captains need to be like hey listen this person just doesn't have it this week they need to be like more firm at like listen you might be playing just one one match this week yeah i, th- I think i think we all would like to have a very um forthright captain someone yeah, who doesn't sure. try to walk on eggshells around the guys yeah, yeah. that like look we only have you know three days or we only have you know five sessions here um i really as much as i want to give you an opportunity especially if you're like a rookie it's like this moment may be too big for you and i want to give you another chance on sunday obviously and we're going to see how you play here but like look man you lost six and five in your morning session on a four ball yeah playing your own ball i've got to sit you for a while man unless something drastic happens just don't expect to play for unfortunately but you got to still be there for your guys well and that comes down to a little bit more of like is this an exhibition or is this a competition like if it's an exhibition then i think everybody needs their that, playing time well, and they need that's to get my, into that was going to be my last question for by the, the definition pod. it is an exhibition but by history and just everything it's quite literally not like it there's a lot behind the Ryder cup and you hear it out from the guys that have played with it. Like they get more amped up at the Ryder cup than any other fucking competition. Like I don't, I don't like to put it in the exhibition category, even though by definition it is an exhibition. In my opinion, it's my favorite, you know, event to watch in golf. Exhibition does not to be a bad word. I'm not saying it's a bad word, but it's like, it means nothing kind of thing. Like it doesn't matter what happens. Like it's just fun. Like the Europeans win that we had a good time watching. Like, no, I want the fucking Americans to win. I want them to win every single year. Like it, it's okay. Well then let's, I'll ask the question now instead of at the end of the podcast, what's more important that the Ryder cup is entertaining or that your team wins. That our team wins. To me. I mean, yeah. If I have to pick between, obviously you want it to be both. But if I had to pick, it's I want the the Americans to take home the Ryder Cup. So this is a question. Like, for do the you coach. want like it, it comes down to just like, do you want your guys to like be out there passionate, having fun, like enjoying themselves and like showing that vibrancy out on the course? Or, or do you want like an ice cold Russian team blowing someone out 16 right. to zero? Whatever. The, I don't like that's my analogy is like, yeah, th- that's a very different product to watch. So let me, I guess, ask it this way. So Xander's one of your boys. If Xander comes out in the first round and plays poorly, would you rather not see him play the rest of the weekend and the U.S. team wins it, or would you rather Sunday see regardless? Like I said, or I think it depends. Like yeah. I said, I think it depends on how you lose, right? Right. Like if he lost on the eleventh hole, like with him clearly playing terribly, right. I think without question, I would say like, dude, I love you, like, but you you've got to sit We're out. We're gonna ride the pine. Yeah, yeah like. It it really comes. It I think it's it really much depends on how the person loses and in what fashion. Sure, that and that makes perfect sense. But I, but I feel like it's up to the captains to decide how that plays out. Like, are we here to win this thing, or do I want to make sure that every single guy on my team 
has a true Ryder Cup experience, and maybe he doesn't win it, but at least he doesn't feel like he got left out of the 2021 Ryder Cup. Yeah, and I'm, I'm asking less as a captain here well, and more as a viewer. Yeah. Like, at the very minimum, each guy's going to at least play one, two, two rounds. They're required sure. to play two sessions. Yeah. So they're going to get a Ryder Cup experience, and if that... Yeah. If their first fucking match goes badly, like they know why they're not playing till Sunday. Right. Like you didn't come out and perform like we want the team to win. Some guys get unfortunately some guys just get one session outside of Sunday even if they didn't <coughs> play poorly. Some guys get one session and that session isn't until right before Sunday singles. Right. It's on Saturday. Yeah. Like and unfortunately sometimes that's just the way things shake out for you and yeah. most likely it's because you came in not as a heavy favorite to get played. Right. And you if know, you have a hot hand like Tiger at the President's Cup, and I'm not a Tiger guy, but if you have a guy with a hot hand, you want that fucker out there as much as you can. I mean, can. that's what Francesco Molinari and Tommy Fleetwood were. Yeah. yeah. They played all five sessions yeah. because they were fucking lights out. Yeah. yeah. If you have a guy that's fucking just on that week and it is hot, like you want them out there as much as you can get them out there. Yeah. And so from a product standpoint, I want the best golfers and I don't really care who their names are. I want the guys that are playing the best to give us the most competitive matches. Like if every match could end on the last hole, that's ideal for me from a viewing standpoint. Like I don't really care who the names are. I want the most competitive thing on the field. Yeah, I, I I think I I agree with that to a, a large extent. Uh, to, to, to me, it really comes down to like, I'll stray away from using the word exhibition, but in a sense for me is that like, this is an entertainment product. And for me, there's a certain trend happening right now where we're very focused on getting a win and what cost that might have on the actual product itself. Right. And I think a lot yeah, of that, but this wasn't started as an entertainment product. Like the Ryder cup was I mean, a meeting. Every of the- sport is an entertainment product. I they're all I wouldn't go out to venture they get that, their worth from TV deals and viewership numbers. I wouldn't go out to venture that's what the Ryder Cup started as it it started out, out as a competition between the Europeans and the Americans they weren't like fucking making deals like crazy fucking billion dollar deals like they are now with fucking TV rights and stuff like it's not like it, we need to make the perfect product and sham it to, uh, fucking shove it down the viewers throats and make sure that they're fucking buying these products and shit like that's I, not- I won't i can't speak to the exact inception of the Ryder cup and what the spirit behind great britain and ireland versus the united states originally what the the purpose of it was like on a conceptual level i'm not gonna speak to how they marketed it but i mean the well, reason it wasn't the like, reason hey, let's make an entertainment product that's not what it was I mean, I would say right now that's the main prerogative of the PGA of America is very much this is an entertainment product because this is where we get the majority of our revenue from. We operate but a loss. This, ev- what as from what I was saying that that's not what it originally was. Like it was, let's see who's better, the United States. Or that's what's Europe. marketed is what I'm saying though. It's like I like I said at the beginning of my sentence was that I can't speak to the actual conception or inception of the Ryder Cup and what the actual spirit of it being created was for authentically. I can see what they say it was for, but I mean the the actual point of it existing. The same reason why any broadcasted sport exists is that it's it's to generate revenue. Like it, it the idea is like these people are entertainers. Like we chose to think that this was important. People putting white balls in holes. Like at the end of the day, like their job isn't to be like show me how most efficient you can get to this hole. It's show me how much like the reason the tiger became a phenom you can venture to say that they're not doing a job though they're not getting paid to go do what they're doing at the Ryder cup they're not 
getting paid to do it this weekend. It, they they're are. doing it out of because they want to be there and represent their country. And yet, Phil and Tiger were trying to lobby to get paid for it for that well, exact we're reason. About Phil and Tiger, like uh, I mean, it's just, it's you you want to say? Something. I was gonna say I guarantee all of them have um, exceptions in their contract that they get bonuses. If they make the Ryder Cup team, I mean, we can't speak to that specifically. Just, yeah. The, I, the point being is, it's clearly an entertainment product for NBC, for sure. the PGA of America, for these organizations that are putting it on because they want to sell tickets to get people to go to this to care about it, not just because we want to see mer- like on a meritocracy who's better golfers. Because if we were actually trying to do that, we wouldn't use this format. We wouldn't be using match play. We wouldn't be using eighteen holes. Like it's clearly not the right way to choose who's playing actually the best golf. Like, that's just not the format you would but choose. I would venture, in my opinion, I would venture to say that match play is more entertaining than stroke play. Hence it being entertainment. an entertainment product. Sure. But I just... Okay. <laughs> the, to, to tie it up in a bow, I think the idea is that you're trying to strike a balance between this being entertaining and competitive with high-caliber golf taking place. And to me, that's straying away from the Hazeltines of the world and more towards the Royal Melbournes of the sure. world. Because I think that's entertainment while also prov- provoking the best you know, ball striking and shot making and all these different factors that should come into playing the best possible golf. I, I, would, I really just don't want to get into the analytics engine being like, if we create this stadium-like course, it's going to favor our team because of these qualities, and if we put all of our pins right here, this is what's going to give our best chance at winning. And it's just like, God, that sounds fucking awful robotic what if the third party absolutely sucks at picking venues you're operating under this assumption that they're going to go to great courses and set the courses up perfectly what if it's a fucking third party that sets it up how the americans like it fucking wide fairways pins in the middle no rough like and they don't go to courses like Royal melbourne or inverness or places like that like you're operating under the the guise of of hey, these are going to be set up fucking excellent. Well, here, here's my two points. It to could that. operate and be absolute Here, here's my dog two, shit. Here's my two. Here's my two points to this. The first one being, it can't get much worse than this. And I mean, I love how they set up Le Golf National now, Le Golf National or whatever it was. I can't think of it off the top of my head. <laughs> but like, it, at least we're getting diversity. Like, yeah, the Americans may set it up it's, boring. It's as a fuck dichotomy, though. It's basically like you have black and you have white like yeah but you, you so you're willing to jeopardize at least some change but i don't here. necessarily think lake golf national was like the pinnacle test but either. it is different year to year regardless and you could the third party could i mean what 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 would make you think that they're going to set up each course way better than they already do now so he, it could just be a bland bold bullshit every fucking year after that well, so here's the thing: is that we already saw it with the Solheim Cup. They chose Inverness as a third party, abstract from this from either organization. They chose a major championship caliber course that had all the nuance that you'd want out of this sort of out of this sort of experiment. So, like, well, I'm uneducated in in the female game in, in general, and I didn't know that they were operating under a third party. So that's news to me. Um, who who is the third party? I don't know what the organization is, but it's not chosen by either team well I, w- I would like to know who who it, who it is and like who's setting it up but they, yeah that's news to me i didn't know that so. yeah, well and i think you the important part is if you go to a third party you have to give them a set objective of we want the most interesting golf we don't want this to favor one side or the other we want to create something that is exciting to watch and not 
bland bullshit. I like, just don't know what their benefit would be if they were hired in for this reason and all of a sudden they would go they to doing that. Garbage, yeah. Like the idea is like they're told what the requirements are for their position and what they're well, trying to get I mean, out of the, it. You can take the PGA Tour for example. Like they, they don't. They're not trying to favor any person one week yeah but they're trying to favor their model which is they want a predictable method of dispensing their fucking cash to a product that they can count on being the same week in and week out that they can kind of work with and have you know consistency from versus the pg of america would be like i want to see the best entertainment product i can get out of this once every two years phenomenon well then let's take the pga championship like it's literally the most ba- boring major of the year every single year. Uh, that was not the case this year. Kiowa was awesome. Kiowa was awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. But the majority of the time I've been paying attention to golf, it's the least uh, out of the four. Like, I don't know. I, I, I just think you're putting a lot of trust into one entity, which is fine if they do a great job. And also you have two sides lobbying that entity, right? You have you have the PGA of America and then you have the RNA or the Euro- whatever the European yeah. organization that's representing the other side of this. And they're both coming into it with their particular request and they have to distill it into a viable solution that meets both of their, requ- their, their requests. And thus, you get a more competitive, likely, Ryder Cup year in and year out. Right. Yeah, I can see it. All right, let's let's jump into the players now. Let's. I let's still, ra- I mean, I I can see it. Like, quit giving me like evil eyes every time I fucking start talking. But uh, I can. I I still like the idea of. I I wish both sides could be involved. Like, I like the idea of like the American team or the European team getting to set it up. Like, I just like them having influence on the setup. Like, I really like that side of like the Ryder cup, you know, like I, I just think you're taking something out of it when you're making a third party, not making, but having a third party choose, you know, the course and the setup and stuff. And I I get, I get why you're wanting it. I just think like you're, you're kind of taking something from it, you know? Yeah. I just can't get into the circular logic of this. Like we're just going to keep having the same conversation. I think it's just going to continue to lead to this polarity of like, you got, option a or you have option b and they're going to be completely different and that's the kind of golf you're going to watch there's going to be no nuance in between yeah and well, there's probably some level of like okay especially if we can sorry, set pins or they can uh, like they can make some decisions but like giving them the entire control of like all right cool so we're going to grow the rough as tall as we can play the course as long as we can and set the pins like if you took some of the decision making away, maybe you could make it to where it's a more exciting, entertaining match. Maybe uh, like as a con- as a consolidation, like maybe I would be cool with like the third party picks the course, and then the home team gets to pick how the setup is, sure. or maybe a vice versa, like yeah. the third party gets to pick how the course is set up, and the team gets to pick where the course is, something like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like. There's something to be there's something like I, I I I sound like a broke record but like there's something to be at least to me having the team have some influence over the venue. No, you know? I I totally get that. That but, makes a ton of sense for but, sure. Yeah, and I I I understand where you guys are coming from, and it makes a lot of sense the way that you're saying it. I just I don't know if if we lose whistling straights, which is like them slightly heading back toward the median point of a way a course could potentially be set up versus something like Hazeltine, we're never going to see something like it again if the U.S. has control. Because no. one, like the U.S. 
I understand the organization, the, the, the PGA of America and the, the captains and everyone are going to do whatever they can to get the win because they don't want that in their record. Right. So like they're going to have no objections to setting up the course. However, grotesquely they need we'll to be at beth page so, next if that so happens. the and look t- to me what it comes down to as well as i i just don't think it's going to result in an entertaining product if that's the the route that we go down and i i think you get enough home field advantage with your crowd you get enough home field advantage by just generally in proximity probably being closer and being able to 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 go to those courses more often in the same way that the european tour players had far more opportunities to play like golf national like before that rider that rider cup had happened like there's tons of other ways that you get your benefit of home course advantage. well then let's just go to tpc sawgrass every single year or have have a tpc sawgrass and then have a fucking stadium course in europe that you go to every single year how the hell is that related to what i said it, I, it's uh, it's not really i just in my head i was thinking of just other sports and how it's like a setup like a football field or a soccer field or a baseball field and then you just start seeing which team's better so if there's tpc sawgrass and then the equivalent of a tpc sawgrass over in europe and then you go to those every single year and you just let the two countries shoot it out then I don't know. That's another think, option. I, yeah, I don't think any of us want that, right? No. I mean, no. I was just saying it's an option. I think I think the idea is that you 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 want a a fair test that challenges everyone's different parts of their games, but you want those tests to be different every time. Right. You want a Royal Melbourne, but then you also want uh, Pebble Beach, or you also want a Shinnecock, or you right. also want a fuck it, like a you know. What's it, what's what's the uh, what's the course uh, seminal like you want yeah. the, you want these courses that are all challenging in their different ways that challenge all your different parts of your game but are very much in different climates different you know you know locations that are challenging all those parts but in very different ways for sure I mean I think it could be I think it could be very cool like I know the players really like the crowds there that it could be a made for TV event where they could go to like courses that wouldn't be like Seminole is a course that they wouldn't go to because it couldn't operate under like with that big of a crowd. And like the Ryder cup is like the players want the crowd. I understand that. And the crowd adds so much to it. And I wouldn't want to change from that. I did like if they made the president's club cup, a made for TV event or something like that. And they can go to courses that are, you know, sought after but might not be the best host for a bunch of people yeah i i I unfortunately i I personally just like i i I would i i would need the crowd i need i need the crowd yeah i i'm not saying like that's what i want i'm just saying like that's an idea but yeah no the crowds are the one of the biggest factors. Uh, I, I understand that. Do you not want us to respond to your idea, though? Like, I, I uh, sure, yeah. Let's get into picks. Yeah. Let's get into the the, the players. Um, you know, so we already spoke about how the teams were selected in terms of what they could do. So to talk about the guys that qualified, the guys that weren't in question, the ones that that weren't chosen. Should we start with Europe, just because we haven't really talked much about the european side of things sure we can start with europe um so qualifying first for the team based on european points um john rom number one player in the world 
kind of goes without saying he he leads almost every statistical category um there's really without question he should be qualified first on the team if he's not it's purely because of some arbitrary weird point system but he is qualified first um uh, the the rest of the European points qualifiers uh, are Tommy Fleetwood, Tyrrell Hatton, and Bernd Weisberger. Um, and then the world points qualifiers are Rory McIlroy, Victor Hovland, Paul Casey, Matthew Fitzpatrick, and Lee Westwood. Both Bernd Weisberger and Matthew Fitz uh, qualified with the last week's PG, uh, BMW PGA Championship um, that took place. So kind of some nail biting finishes there to to sew up some of those uh final qualifications uh you guys spoke earlier in the podcast about this being potentially the strongest european team that they've fielded um in terms of their general better uh methodology at getting team chemistry as well as this increased talent you know how deadly is this team to you guys i mean they look pretty scary to me to be honest they have a lot of dudes that are pretty high up just as far as name recognition and in the way they've been playing all year, I think that's a, a stacked team. Um, obviously like a dude like Lee Westwood, who's had a year makes me a little nervous. And then you've got the, the John Roms and the Rory's of the world. Javi is always in the mix. Um, I think it's a really exciting team. I don't watch the European game enough to know what a lot of these guys are doing outside of the PGA events that they do. But that's a scary squad to me. Yeah, uh, I think I think that their squad is good. I think having John Rahm and Victor Hovland added to the squad is huge for them. Um, I'm glad that Sergio got a captain's pick. Like he didn't have the greatest year, but I think he is one of those guys that just uh, adds to to just the team fire. And he's a bit notorious in Ryder Cups and. He just, uh, you know, he, he's one of those guys that always has his ball striking there. And when it comes to match play, like, you can forget about the last hole and he can, I don't know. I think I think he was a great a great captain's pick. Um, and I think he, he'll, he'll add a lot to the team. Um, Terrell Hatton is another fiery guy. I, as a whole, I think there's a, just a lot of fiery people from Europe year after year that just get really invested into the whole the whole Ryder Cup as a whole. Which would continue to be the case when you go into the picks as well. Extremely yeah. fiery picks. Yeah. Um, so you, you were talking about the adding of, of Victor Hovland and John Rahm. Mm-hmm. It, it should be known that John Rahm ha- has played in 2018. He did, he did play in, in France. Yeah. Um, and so there, there's really... Everyone has some experience to a varying degree besides uh, Victor Hovland and Bernd Wiesberger. Uh, the rest of the guys on the team have uh experience with with the Ryder Cup so they're not a a, a nearly as rookie you know uh, a rookie team as the U.S. team is um to kind of get into those other European uh captain's picks you know Sergio Garcia and Ian Poulter um are uh captain's picks for the European side and then Shane Lowry who would be another rookie for the the Ryder Cup for their team uh, what are y'all's thoughts on those th- three picks? Poulter's kind of kind of like Sergio in uh, where he he hasn't had as good of a year as Sergio, especially during the Sergio's begin- been kind of quietly decent this year. That's though. what I'm gonna yeah, say. Like at the beginning the of the, the season, and he, he finished was, strong too. Yeah, at the beginning of the season, he was 
in contention he at made quite it to a, a tour championship. Yeah. yeah. Um, Poulter hasn't had that same season, but he's another guy that, like, when the Ryder Cup comes around, that just kind of clicks into a different gear. Mm-hmm. That it just kind of brings his competitive blood out, and he just starts, you know, match play. Match play is a different animal, and, you know, kind of like my golf game, like, they have the equivalent to the pro game of my golf game. Like, it may not work great for stroke play, but match play like you can throw that last hole in in the rear view and just kind of keep pushing forward yeah i think a lot of it comes down to is 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 how how quickly can you shift your momentum how quickly can you bounce back from a a bad break because everything only matters in that moment right everything that came before doesn't doesn't matter so what it comes down to is that like if you're someone like jt or you're someone like dj you can just put your head down and be like, okay, after 72 holes, I will be ahead of these guys. It doesn't right. matter about what happens right this second. I'm just going to keep my head down and push through. Versus someone like Ian Poulter is like, no, I'm going to use this moment to my advantage. I'm going to get firing against people's heads. I'm going to, all I have to do is be right where I need to be for this next shot. Yeah. And I think some people thrive in that element and other people, other people don't. And I think to you, to your point, Dave, is Ian Poulter as, you know, obsolete as he tends to be with the, the normal PGA tour game, as far as I'm concerned, until he plays bad or he becomes injured or way too old, which I don't think is the case if you see Lee Westwood on this team, <laughs> like, I'm picking him. Yeah, and that's and it's kind of like, I know you want to talk, and we've kind of just been going back and forth, but I promise you'll be able you're to. Good, you're good. Uh, it's kind of like we were talking about Phil earlier, and like he's kind of like the same as Poulter, and like Poulter on paper probably shouldn't be on this team and neither should Phil, but for whatever reason, Poulter has just shined through as a bigger, like a bigger light or a bigger thing in Ryder cups compared to Phil. And I know Phil has had his success, but like Poulter just seems to be like, he hasn't had the career that Phil has, you know, Phil has gone and done amazing things with his career. Poulter hasn't done that, but his amazing things have been in the Ryder Cup, you know? So it's just like, it's like, yeah, he may be having a shit year, but for some reason we know we can fucking just pick him and he's going to rise to the occasion and at least pull his weight, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm honestly excited he's on this team because he is my favorite guy to root against. Like He's yeah. kind of a motherfucker on the golf course. We're like, this guy just keeps biting back and biting back. So I'm excited to root against him. The other thing I heard the other day that I didn't realize, Sergio Garcia has the most points of anyone ever in the Ryder Cup. Yeah. Like he is yeah, he's, he's lights out. It makes perfect he's sense like, he's on the He's this like team. Poulter. Yeah. And he won the match play in Austin against a lot of these dudes. I mean, he went straight up against Scotty Chef not that long ago in match play. Like he makes a well, lot of sense. Well, he didn't win the match play. Billy Horschel did. Correct. He still beat Scotty Chef in the match play, but he, he, he no, he, he didn't. Scotty Chef was in the finals against Billy Horschel. Then I just am clueless. It, it's all good. Directed. Sergio is good at match play, though. Yeah, so that works in what you were saying. Yeah, and he yeah. has done well at Dell match play. He has. Did um, he beat Fleetwood? That he hit the ace again. Who did he hit the ace? Dude, against? we're not going down okay. this rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't remember anything. The uh, the one thing that's come back to this, um, it, it comes back to our conversation earlier about having the six captains picks versus the, the three, is that um, they were locked in. These were their three picks that they could make. They had to make. They picked Sergio for obvious reasons. They picked Ian Poulter for obvious yeah. reasons. And Shining Lowry was the best player that was available left in terms of the tour. 
and you don't see guys on here like Justin Rose. You don't see guys on here like Henrik Stenson. Yeah. You don't see guys on here that maybe should have been on this team, quote unquote, should. Um, and then you have guys that you might question their course fit for this place. Someone like Matthew Matthew Fitzpatrick. I think Bern, Vern Wiesberger may not be a terrible choice for this course in particular, but you could also possibly say the same thing about Lee Westwood. He's getting older. He hasn't had the same season as he had at the beginning of this season. Um, you know, he's a stalwart in, in Ryder Cups, and but he didn't play in Paris. Yeah. So it, it comes down to like, I don't know. He's kind of a flyer a little bit I mean, with how he's been playing. You could say you could. There's an argument to be made about like someone like Big Bob McIntyre. Yeah, you know? there is. Like there is. But my point being is that they, like you said, they don't have that flexibility yeah. with just their yeah. three picks. And I don't fault them for their three picks. They make complete sense. Yeah. It just comes back to like, okay, if you had the freed up the the, the other three picks, who would have not qualified on points? It would have been Bern Weisberger. Would have been Matthew Fitzpatrick, and I believe it would have been he Lee Westwood. Lee Westwood. Yeah, he was fifth. So it comes down to you know. That that freed up the flexibility with it being half and half, right? Yeah. So, it, I honestly like, people are fearing this this European Ryder Cup team with good reason because we, we've been bitten the ass a lot. But I I think 2018 was a stronger team. Francesco Molinari was in great form. Justin Rose was in much better form. Tyrrell Hatton was in I would say e- equal form. Tommy Flew was in much better form. John Rahm wasn't as good a form he is now, but he provided about as much as you could have expected him to provide from that Ryder Cup. Rory, you know, pretty much the same form. Yeah. Um, Alex Noren played pretty well. Thunder Bear fucking won his his Sunday match. You know, the uh, you know Sergio pr- pr- provided Ian Poulter was provided Thomas Peters on that team too. No, that yeah. was Hazeltine. Yeah. Um. Uh. Paul Casey and uh, same form as he would be performing now. Maybe even better form then. Yeah. And then Henrik Stenson. He Paul Casey's had a pretty good year though. Yes. He had a great year in 2018 too. He won uh, Valspar. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I would say I think 2018 might have been a better Ryder Cup team for them and for a better course fit. So uh, if I, I think the 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 weighting for Vegas's odds are, I think they're correct and I think they're accurate. But I I honestly think this team isn't as good as the the Lake Golf National team. Um, and I could be wrong about that. Javi could be a fucking fiend in the Ryder Cup. Yeah. You know, I, I look forward to seeing him play. Um, and, you know, Rom is a completely, you know, complete player at this point. Um, definitely better than he was before. Uh, and, you know, we'll see, we'll see what Tommy Fleetwood is bringing to the table after not having the greatest year. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Uh, but... I would be hard pressed to say that Ian Poulter is better than he was in 2018. Um, so who knows? I, I, as far as the European ter- team is concerned, I think they're a strong team. Um, I think they should be feared and I think we should take them seriously. And I, but I think the U S has the tools to potentially blow them out again. And I know I come from this place. of be like, we keep getting bit in the ass, but I think, I think the floor is a bit higher with this team than we've had teams in the past. And I think it comes back to the credit of Steve Stricker's picks um, and the changing of the, the pick structure for our U.S. team. So you guys ready to jump over to the U.S. side? Yeah. Um, our automatic qualifiers for the U.S. team, uh, Colin Morikawa, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas, and Patrick Cantlay. Um, 
I think for the most part, those players are players that you would have picked regardless, apart from possibly Bryson for obvious reasons. But beyond that, I think you would want those other five guys there. Um, DJ hasn't shown the best form as of lately, but I feel like, especially for whistling straights, he probably would make the team. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we're saying, we're talking about the potential people that would be replacing DJ would be Kevin Na, Kevin Kisner, Webb Simpson, Coe Cracker, Sam Burns. I'm not putting any of those people on the team in front of DJ. Yeah, for sure. Especially because do any of those guys have Ryder Cup experience? I don't. No, Web do. does. Web does for sure. Um, the the other part being too is that DJ has the most experience in the Ryder Cup out of anyone on this team too. Right. So you pretty much completely got any experience if DJ was off the team. For sure. <laughs> like I said, he would be on the team just like if you're talking about guys that might not be in that top six yeah, or whatever. Not in his. Yeah, my point is like yeah, no. If they weren't automatically stands, locked, he would still be yeah. a pick. Yeah. Um, and then moving into our captain's pick, Daniel Berger, Harris English, Tony Finau, Xander Schauffele, Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth. Um, this is the most hotly contended thing on you know the internet right now in terms of golf internet is that you see people like Patrick Reed not on here, who's known as Captain America. You don't see Kevin Kisner on here, who's considered to be a, a match play dog, and he constantly gets you know rallying support for him to be on these sorts of Ryder Cup teams, and year in and year out he doesn't get selected for them. Um, you see Webb Simpson not being here, even though he performed pretty well in, in in France, and he's a guy that you tend to put down as fire retardant for guys like yeah, Bryson. Can go with anyone. Um, and then you don't see other guys that might be better course fits than some of these guys. Like Jason Kokrak has had a stellar year and he's long and he could potentially play well here. Um, and then Sam Burns, you know, had, has won and he's been playing really good golf coming into it. And you could see people argue for Kokrak or Burns over someone like uh, Harris English or, or Scotty Scheffler. Um, so I guess let's go around the horn. Do you guys agree with these captain's picks? Anything that you would change? Um, how are you guys feeling about Steve Stricker's choices? Um, I think he made the right choices. Every single one? Yeah. Yeah, I love the picks. Um, I like the young guys, too. I mean, a, a lot of these guys aren't that far off of playing team golf in college, um, especially when you look at, like, the Burgers and uh, Scotty Chefs. Um, I think it's a great team. I think they're young and they're pliable, and they can play with a lot of people. Um, and when you have polarizing combinations like the Brooks, honestly, I don't even know if Brooks and DJ could play together if you ever wanted them to. There's a lot of guys, and same thing for Patrick Cantlay with Bryson. Um, so I think they give you a lot of freedom with how you pair teams up. Um, so I think he made the right choices as well. The only thing that I could maybe see is Kokrak for English. Yeah. But I am totally fine with English over Kokrak. So you're of the mindset that Harris English is more at jeopardy to not be on this team than Scotty Scheffler. Um, like I, I'm a chef off guy. Of, off of points, no. But like as a game fit, I would prefer to have Scheffler over English if I had to pick one or the other. Okay. But uh, I just wouldn't be doing my due diligence for not bringing that up. Like I'm a homer right. for Scheffler, but no, like, I get it. I, I mean, I get it. English has had a better year, but uh, I just think that this course fits Scheffler well if he brings his A game. And 
and I, I think the same for English. I don't think he's a bad pick at all. Like I said, I think he made the right choices. If there's one thing, I would say it's maybe Kokrak. But even still, like, I'm fine with English over Kokrak there. So that's the only thing. Like, people saying Nah or Patrick Reed, like, the Nah thing is way out the window for me. Like, I, I don't understand that. He showed form in the playoffs, like, or right before the playoffs, like no, there's a month. I mean, it's the, it's the most important time to show form, though, right? Yeah, but it's still like several weeks in between then and the Ryder Cup. Like he won an event this year too. Not had a good year. He, he won was... an event like at the beginning. And of he the won year. the Sony. Yeah, yeah, like the very beginning of the year, which you can say the same for English, but English won. No, he's yeah, too. he's won recently though. Yeah. So like, I, I don't know. I think he. I think. I think he did a very good job with his his captain's picks. Okay, so let me hear to see it. Let me I hear the for sure Patrick Reed was going to be on this team. Let me hear the case for Harris English or Sky Scheffler or Daniel Berger for that matter over Webb Simpson. Uh, the it's he's it's more of a course fit. Type I mean, thing. Webb isn't yeah. that short and he hits it straight. Like he had kind of a lame duck year though. Webb didn't really do anything this but year. But he played well at the previous Ryder Cup, and he's a guy you can pl- pair with anybody. Yeah. But uh, who, can you not pair those other guys with anybody? We have, There are unknown quantities. I think we know what Webb does. As far as just judging off of what I've seen watching golf and all the golf intake, whether it be on the internet and stuff, but, I feel like those guys' personalities could – with could potentially do what web does we can't just go off vibes though we're talking about play styles like who's who's amenable to playing other people's style of golf other people's golf balls other people's like do you like how good is this guy at playing from somewhere else in the the fairway could play other people's golf balls like i don't see him as like a bryson guy that i need my bridgestone and i need it to have 110 dimples that are certain shapes no, I just think those guys are playing better golf than Webb is in the last year. Like, at Webb, again, was my first overall pick in fantasy and didn't do shit for me this year. I, I think they're playing better. And, I I mean, like you said, we shouldn't just go straight off vibes. So if we ignore vibes, we have to assume that these guys are going to be able to play with anybody and they're playing better golf. Like I said, though, you're, they're also unknown quantities in the sure. Ryder Cup. It's a lot of rookies. Yeah. Which I think could be a good thing. It'll either us. be a good thing or a terrible thing, so, and we're yet to, to see. Um, Obviously, what's what we've been doing hasn't been working, so we might as well fucking freshen it up and get something fresh in there and see how it works. Yeah, It's worth a fucking shot. And, do, you know, I, I would be totally fine with fucking replacing Bryson with Webb, but that's not an option we have. <laughs> like, it, it, I don't want to replace him with any of those captain's picks. But I would be totally fine with replacing him with Bryson. Okay, we well, don't have to get so heated about it. Like I'm, I know, I'm asking the like, question. Like it, I wouldn't have changed it either. I'm just try. Like this isn't a podcast if I don't ask the question. Yeah. No, I appreciate what you're doing. It's just with with either of those guys or any of the captains' picks, I wouldn't replace Webb with them. But I would be totally fine with someone like Bryson being replaced. All right, pretty uh, much only him. Um. So someone's got to explain to the audience and maybe they don't have to, but like why the fuck isn't Patrick Reed on this golf team? He has the best Ryder cup performance in terms of singles matches and uh, very much agree. He carried Jordan's dead body around Hazeltine yeah. in 2016. So like, why isn't Patrick Reed on this Ryder cup team? Explain it to me. I mean, for starters, he was almost a dead body two weeks ago. He was in the hospital. 
Yeah, he uh, couldn't. He couldn't actually fly on a plane to the Tour Championship. He had to drive because his lungs weren't able to. So I don't think he is physically in the best place. He did play going, a Tour Championship though. Yeah, he did. And we've uh, got a couple weeks. How did he do? I don't know where he I finished. He did okay. I think middle of the road. Yeah, there's only 30 people, so it's pretty easy to do middle of the road amongst there. the hardest fields. The best of 30, 30 guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, like you said, I I feel like. If I'm Stricker and I'm picking, I already know that I have a lot of divisiveness in my automatic picks. Like, there's a lot of dudes there that don't necessarily get along. So if you throw, if you have Bryson and Patrick Reed in there, you're starting to run out of guys that you can pair together that are going to get along well and hopefully play good golf together. I totally get his record and he's played really well on his own, but this is a team event in the end. And I think all you of could, these you guys and also going off of the president's cup and the golf national, he didn't play well at either of those events. Well, and the, those are the most recent of team. He events. won his singles match in, in France. He got paired with tiger who wasn't playing very well in France. And he didn't play very well. And I think his other grouping, which I can't remember what it was. He did play, Grand him and Tiger didn't play well, so I don't want to yeah, put it all on say, Tiger. I was like, about to say he didn't play. He well didn't play either. very well either. Um, but he has a better track record at the Ryder Cup than Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Bryson, and these are all guys that are automatically qualified. If you want to throw P. Reed instead of Bryson in there, just like Webb Simpson instead of Bryson, I'd be fine with that. Interesting. I, I don't think I would. I'm just doing this because I have yeah, to. I get it. That, but that that would be the only person I would be okay with putting Patrick Reed in for. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I personally wouldn't swap Patrick Reed in for anybody on this team. I think he's too toxic of a of a variable in this to, for it to work. I think his form has slumped to a degree in the Ryder Cup where it doesn't warrant him. If he like has never lost ever, then like yeah, you you probably deserve to be in there despite you being a fucking just goon. But, um, yeah, so I, I, for anyone that just is like, Captain America, it's like, bro, just you got to read a little bit deeper into this. This guy is a menace in the in the team room. He's constantly creating shit, and unfortunately his game isn't good enough to warrant Year after him. year, there is scandal after scandal, rules controversy after rules controversy. It's just a... Uh, he, he is a wrecking ball. He doesn't deserve to represent the U.S. on that stage. At the end of the day, there also has to be some sort of qualification on character. And if I was the captain and he wasn't automatically qualified, he wouldn't be on my team. Yeah. Um, he wouldn't be on Steve Stricker's either, kid. <laughs> and yet Steve Stricker's felt, because you were talking about how he, he, he was able to make the tough decisions, and yet he had, was completely spineless to then apologize to Patrick, Patrick Reed profusely for not choosing him. Because there was going to be media backlash, and he got out ahead of the fucking the eight ball there. And yeah, I'd just, rather him just not be political. Just be like, yo, dude, like, read between the lines. Yeah. Um, or say nothing. You can also just choose you to just say not nothing. Say things. Yeah. Um, I think something that someone could make the argument for is Kokrak instead of X, right? Kokrak has been a menace, and yeah. his game suits this well. Like, you could put Kokrak ahead of English. You could put Kokrak ahead of Berger, potentially. You could put Kokrak ahead of Scotty Scheffler, you know. 
why isn't Kokrak on this team? Is it the same thing? Like he may not just gel well with the guys. Is it that his form has slipped off a little bit with the back quarter of the of the See, season? Yeah, it's wild. Like I know you're just doing like your pod ta- podcast diligence because I know you're an X to the Z exhibit boy. Um, I, I wouldn't I, I, see. I just think so. Like that Patrick Cantlay and X X. I also didn't he, say Xander's name in he, that rundown. You of guys. said the letter X isn't a variable in a math equation, not as oh. Xander. When did I say X? You said X. You said you were using X and ex- an example, and then listed several names. Oh, yeah, but oh. it was definitely to be a variable, not to oh, represent I Xander. No, I, I don't think you could make a logical argument why you would replace Tony Finau, Xander, or Spieth with Kokrak. I don't think you could make that argument. Well, that's why I was confused by yeah. when he said X, and I just assumed when he said X that I was talking about Xander. I would say if Kokrak had a history at the Ryder Cup with doing decently, and Xander was still a rookie, you could try to make an argument. I would still go with Xander. But, um, yeah, Tony Finau, Xander, and Jordan, I think – would just be the other qualifiers right and without the, the three fluid picks are english burger and, and scheffler and even then like i don't think once again i wouldn't change these picks yeah like i said he made the right picks i don't hate kokrek on this team though and i think maybe like in place of like a daniel burger um, i i i think burger I would take Berger ahead of Harris English and Scheffler right now. As much as it pains me to Berger say Berger deserves Sheff- to be on the team. He does. Yeah. He has President's Cup history. He's a bulldog. He will hound you about you playing the way the right way. You'll be he'll be in your ass up and down the fairway on the European side. And his game is just so rock solid right now. He, yeah. he he's been like I, I love Scotty, but he is a high ceiling and a, and a pretty low floor sometimes. Right. And like he can have his blow up holes, but that's great for match play to a degree. Like yeah. you can just localize it to a single hole of destruction and and go from there. Move but he, he's got a wily game. He's really good and, at recovery shots. And, and that shot. Can... And Scotty did well at match play this year. That's like he did, really the playing, only match play playing I've by himself. From. Yeah. By, by himself. I know. And the thing is that he's comfortable with where he puts himself. He, he people may not be comfortable where he puts them. Which is like he might have to be a four ball guy and not be an alternate shot sure. guy. In the same way that that's like that's okay. You know, he, he may provide fucking on Sunday, get us a point and you know, do well with fucking four ball and uh you know, do do what he has to do. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone who's uh probably the least Comf- uh, the last potential captain's pick to expect him to, himself to play very many sessions. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, going based off of that, I, I think Steve Stricker made all of the right captain's picks here. Um, and it wasn't, I mean, he, he, he jumped over Patrick Reed in terms of points and he jumped over Webb. And if you just picked down the ticket, like most people do, we'd have a very different team. So, so none of us think Nah even had a shot to be on this team. I mean, I, I think Nah had more of a shot than Kevin Kisner. Yeah. It's well, that's another n- name that we ne- none of us ever brought up. Like, I think the so. obvious thing in the room is course fit, right? Yeah. Like, but- if we were playing like Golf Nacional this year, I would be taking Kevin Na and Kevin Kisner over Scotty Scheffler and probably to a, a potential... Webb would be on the team for sure. He'd yeah. have to be. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, I would have Webb ahead of Kisner out of that group. Um... Regardless, it would be a different team. It would be a different team. And we're talking about course fit for Whistling Straits. Yeah. And Kevin Na and Kevin Kisner, the two Kevs, 
just aren't a fit for whistling straights. Yeah, I don't and the yeah, people no. on fucking Twitter and golf media need to fucking understand that. Like, it's just yeah. I think most people's thing is like Kevin Kisner is good at match play, and he's a guy you can vibe out in the, in the locker room with. But here's the deal: it's like I think you can vibe out with all of these guys. And there's yeah. also like he said it himself, like Kevin Kisner, like if if the course like is too long, I know I don't even have a yeah, shot at play eight thousand yards. Yeah. These but guys they pay out fucking 30th place yeah. of shitload of money. Like this isn't a course that's a fit for you. It would be one of those courses that like, Oh, I'm hoping to get 30th and make a lot of money. Yeah. Like, yeah. So 100%. But I, I'm liking what the the U.S. team's looking like. I, I think Stricker did a good job with the captain's picks, and um, if I had one change to do, it would be probably Webb for Bryson DeChambeau. Well, we probably won't see that happen. I mean, I I'm very questionable on Brooks having just had a wrist injury. Well, that so, might be what happens. Webb might Webb come in, in for, for no. I meant like if I had twelve captains picks right now, I'd be like, yo, I would try to like get an objective opinion on how his wrist is, and right? Be like, I, I may not even risk it. But From, we we might you might not need that if in a week Brooks's wrist isn't still good. Who is it, Webb? Do we for, think for sure? From what I've heard, that Brooks opted out of playing the rest of the tour championship so he could make sure his wrist was good for the Ryder yeah. Cup. That's what I've heard. Okay. And by heard, I mean just read on the internet. Read on Twitter, yeah. Which is where we all hear things. Yeah, but uh, that's what I've heard. Like, he didn't care about making money at the Tour Championship and shit. He just like, oh, I tweaked this. Like, I need to make sure I'm good to go for the Ryder Cup. Yeah. Like, he was supposed to do that shit with Barstool and whatnot, that match. That was canceled. the lefty match. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think he's prioritized he Ryder wants Cup. to be there. Yeah. Well, good. I mean, yeah. Brooks is a competitor. If he wants to be somewhere, I think he's going to perform because he actually gives a shit. So, yeah. All right. Um, predictions. Who's going to be the standout player for the U.S. team? Who is going to be the standout player for the European squad? What's going to be the final score? Um, I like JT to play well. For the U.S. team, I think he's been really close. If his putter was working at the Tour Championship, I mean, he had a bunch of lip. He's really close. So I wouldn't be surprised to see JT in form for the U.S. And I think he's the kind of guy who vibes well as a leader. And he wants to to represent well for his country and, and put on an example for the younger guys. And then obviously for the Europeans, I love Rombo, world number one. The, the, he's a competitor. He's fiery as all hell. I think he's going to show up, um, and I think the U.S. takes this thing, but I think it's really close. Um, I don't know that it comes down to the last match, but it, it'll be a, a close showing. I don't see a blowout by any means. So you think they're winning by a point? Yeah, a point, maybe point and a half or How two. How many points is it again? So 28 points. First together. to 14 and a half. Yeah, so I, we're yeah. looking at like 15, 13 somewhere in that neck of the woods um standout player for me from the u.s is daniel berger standout Mm. player from the european side for me what does stand uh, just to press a little bit further on it what does standout mean to you because i just don't know how many sessions berger is going to be playing 
Um, I just think that he's going to outshine what he's expected to do in a good fashion. Okay, maybe I'll rephrase it because I, I, I agree. I think Daniel yeah. Berger may go undefeated, but I yeah. he may only play two sessions. So yeah. the, the question I would have is, maybe I'll rephrase it, who's going to be the MVP for their team? Who's going to have the biggest impact on their team's success? Um, I stand by You stand by your answers. picks. It's yeah. JT, and what was the other one? Rombo. Rombo, okay. That's a tougher choice for me now. Do you have any guys? Well, he says that. Do you have any guys I that you think is going to say Rom again yeah. for the Europeans as but well? But you still stand by Daniel Berger. Uh, that's what's tough for me now. Yeah. Like, so while you think about that, do you have any guys that you think are going to outperform people's expectations well, on either side? Outperform expectations is tough. Actually, I, you know what? I'm going to say Victor Hovland for. Yeah, Europe I like that. Instead of Rom, you think he's going to have a bigger impact I, than Rom? I think he's. I think old Vic is going to be MVP of the. That, that was going to be European. my pick too, but I want to hold you to this thing against Rom. Is that I'm not against the, Rom. No, Do I want paint it that well, way. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that he, <laughs> Victor Hovland will generate more points for Europe than Rom will. That's what we're saying right now. Biggest impact MVP player, more oh, points from because man. of Hovland than Rom. Because I now actually that, think that, but you're going to backtrack that. Now that you phrase it where it's the most points <laughs> thing, what else could that possibly mean? He was just so good in the locker room, man. He was charismatic. I don't know. Yeah, let's go with Victor Hovland. Yeah, I couldn't let you just pee on. <laughs> I wasn't. Wait, what? Wait, did you, did you just? I'm sorry, I just jumped early. Did you actually commit to Hovland? Yeah. yeah he okay. Did. Wow, impressive. I was yeah. about to say you can't just pee on Hovland and then go back and then be like, yeah. oh, I knew Rom, best player in the world. Of course, yeah. he's gonna get the most points. No, he committed to Javi. All right, cool. Welcome to the camp. Um, um, I, I, I agree. I think Victor Hovland's gonna generate the most points for the European team. I think he's gonna be. I think his game is just so bulldog. Like he's just gonna work his way through that course. Yeah. Um, I just hope he gets enough sessions. I think they will. I, I think, think they will. realize that like he's a stud. Can yeah. we do some duds? Because I think Colin Morikawa is gonna be a dud for the U.S. I disagree. I think he's gonna. I think. I mean, unfortunately, he played pretty badly at the Tour Championship. And um, not not just kind of in the playoffs in general, he's played badly. Kind of since the him winning the Open, he's played badly. It's not that much time. For the he's open to this. Yeah. such know, an but, asset and alt shot to me that he's the kind of guy that can play. I, I feel like he can play team golf well. I don't know. That's yet oh, to be let, let, seen oh. for me because he's a guy that plays a cut. Like this, that's his standard thing. This so whole squad play- plays a cut though, for the most part. Like go down that list. Well, I don't want to get into this conversation. Okay. Um, the what do you think, Victor Hovland? I'm sorry. Do you think Colin Morikawa is going to be a dud because you don't think he can? He'll be a good Ryder Cup player, or you I think, think he's, he's just in play- bad form? Okay, you think he's just yeah. in bad form right yeah. now? Because I think there's a difference between someone coming in with bad form and someone being a dud for the Ryder Cup. I think he's coming in bad form in that he's probably going to not. He's probably going to do bad off the rip, and he's going to be sat and only play a Sunday match. Yeah. That's what I predict. To to kind of follow up with that, I think Bryson will be a total dud for the Ryder Cup in just that I don't think he can play with anybody, and I think when he gets in his own head, it'll be a mess. I mean, it's a it's a safe prediction considering he's been a dud yeah, I mean, at his last few showings. Sure. Um, I never got to say what I thought the score was going to be. Right. Or yeah, go ahead. Ooh. Um, we have to get to 28 or 14, 14 and, and a half, half to win. Half. There's 28 points up for grabs. So I think the U.S. will be like 16 or 17 points and win. Mm. So, so you see it more of a blowout. 
Yeah, I guess. I mean, that would be a blowout. I mean, you're up one seventeen and a half to ten and a half, and you're up, and that was a massive blowout. Yeah. Um, so let's put it at sixteen and a half. And then Hazel team was seventeen to eleven U.S. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna say sixteen and a half. Sixteen and a half, eleven and a half. Yeah, something like that. So essentially, like another big win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Victor Hovland, as I said, for the European team, will will get the most amount of points. This is tough because I just think they're not going to give him enough sessions. But I think that Xander is going to win all of his matches. Sure. But I think JT is going to get the most points for the the U.S. Yeah. It's interesting. Patrick Cantlay. I haven't been able to answer that after you like rephrased it yeah you haven't said an mvp for the u.s team yet it's hard it is hard there's a lot of guys that i feel like are gonna have around the same i will disagree that i don't think Colin morikawa will be a dud that's fine i that's just what i think i think his form's been bad as of lately and i just think i have a feeling that brooks is gonna be a dud this yeah he could be on Ryder cup and i don't i don't think it will be cut because because i don't think it'll be because of his wrist though if he's playing, he'd be playing. Actually, fuck. He's, you can never say that about Brooks because he plays with fucked up knees and shit. Yeah. But like, if he's fully healthy, I still don't think he's gonna come and perform. Sure. I think. I think he's been kind of like I think he ever since the Bryson thing and him have started, he hasn't closed the deal on anything. Yeah, he's he just been a social media star. This year. He did do that. Hmm. I kind of forget about that. Yeah. None of us mentioned Cantlay, who just has fucking ice water in his veins for the last six weeks. I think there's a good chance that he just continues to be an absolute well, we beast. Just, he got, we he never got beat. touched on player of the year, and he, Cantlay and Rom were in the front runnings for that. And Cantlay won two tournaments that Rom outright, him or Kevin Na should have won the, in, in gross, should have won the tournament or gone East into Lake play. Memorial, yeah. yeah. So those are two things that have an asterisk by it. I think the clear MVP of the year or best player of the year is Rom. We can let's do that at the end. Okay. Um, as in terms of what Patrick Patrick Hanley is going to bring to the Ryder Cup team, I think you can probably pencil him in for a positive record. He yeah. played well at the Presidents Cup with Xander. Um, I think he's shown he's been playing a lot of match play golf in these playoffs. Right. Um in terms of like going into playoff holes um and there's putters perfection yeah i right think now. he's going to be great in I, the I, yeah i think you know he's one of those guys that you would probably pencil in as as you know he may also go undefeated he might just push some matches potentially yeah, yeah there uh, might be some halves but. but i i don't see patrick cantley coming in and going oh four you know for right something, you know um question marks I think you have a question mark around Harris English. I think you have a question mark around Scotty Scheffler. Um, you know, I think you might have a question mark to a degree over Dustin Johnson right now. Definitely. Um, but I think you're going to get, I think you can predict some positive play out of Daniel Berger. I think you can predict some positive play out of Tony Fina with how he played in France. Um, and he's had good form in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So, I like the way the the U.S. team is trending. Uh, so for my points predictions, I'm going to go. 
I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go fifteen and a half, twelve and a half. Yeah. U.S. Yeah. So we're all on board thinking the U.S. is gonna win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I, I I am, and I I'm aware that probably the popular take on this. <laughs> I'm also aware of how the U.S. does home field advantage right now. Yeah. And I think we've unfortunately learned our lesson from Medina and making things too close for comfort, even though that was potentially the most entertaining Ryder Cup we've seen in our lifetime. Yeah. Um, but, hey, you know, they want to win, and they, as far as I'm concerned, are likely to win. Even with the Hazeltine setup, it was pretty exciting it would have been so bad if it wasn't for the Patrick Reed and Rory match. Like, let's be honest. Like, you can't think of another match besides the, that one. The the match with Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed was good too. Which one? Because if you're just when they were about, paired up, yeah, for all of their matches, they yeah, were paired they up. The you can't. You're, you're thinking of like a hole out from Patrick Reed from the fairway. Like, you can't actually think of who they were playing against, can you? Uh-uh. Yeah, that's why it was a fucking dud Ryder Cup. You can't remember any of that shit. But. Also, Patrick Reed Rory is so rewatchable. It's fucking awesome. That Have you rewatched it? Yes. That's a definite YouTube go to for me. The finger wag is amazing. That entire that 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 Ryder Cup, if it weren't for Rory and Patrick Reed, would have been so boring. I, I, there was a lot I more will, action and interest. I will agree with you, but the, it did happen, and it was exciting because of that. And sure, you can mount it up to that moment, but I I will also like I said the Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed matches were good. I no I can't remember in this given moment who they were playing. Um, I am slightly inebriated right now, so my memory isn't firing on all cylinders. Um, but yeah, I, I I I will give it to you. Like, sure, it was because of a select few matches, but. You know, you uh, I don't know. You could say that a lot of, about a lot of things. Like the, a lot of golf tournaments, it would like the first three days don't really matter. But that fucking back nine on Sunday at the Masters fucking was awesome. Or Jordan Spieth fucking charging at the Masters on the back nine to shoot the course record was fucking crazy. You don't uh, when you talk when you go back and reflect on tournaments. It's not like man, that whole tournament was really fucking good. You're talking about like these distinct you know, few blippets in that tournament that made it stand out, you know? Yeah. I just yeah. think there should be more than just the one though, like that you should be able to reflect on. And I'll, I'll give Hazeltine a little bit of credit and be like the Phil Sergio match on Sunday was really good. The match that you're trying yeah, to where, recall. Where did, fucking Phil did the little jump that his logo is now. Yeah. Well, I think that's more from the masters when he did the jump than versus that. Well, he Cup. did it at the Ryder cup too. Yeah. Um, the I match that you're, with it. the match that you're trying to recall is Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed versus Justin Rose and Henrik Stenson, and it was a bloodbath. But it that was the most competitive match, and Patrick Reed was playing out of his mind. Yeah, um, Jordan was fucking absent. So yeah. it's, it was once again just Patrick Reed playing really, really well. Um, so. I, it required flashes of greatness from two particular people for that Ryder Cup to not be completely forgotten to history. I would venture to say that's a lot of Ryder Cups, though. 
Like a lot of this match, this match was a pivotal thing, and this is what we remember, you know? I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but it it's been the way that a lot of them have been remembered recently. I mean, you can talk about Bubba's shot at the Masters out of the Pine Needles, Phil's shot at the Masters out of the Pine Needles. You, like can't, you, you, you can't use those events as references for this. It's a team event. You're yeah, I understand that, but I, my, my point is that that we remember these events from specific moments, and we remember the Ryder Cup at Hazeltine from those few specific moments and that's how it Yeah, goes but those down. moments should be peppered across different teams and groups and matches and people that you remember all contributing to the success of the team, not just one guy yeah, who sealed ideally, it. but when you shake things out like it's not it's generally not like that. Like I would love for you to name a particular event, not even a Ryder Cup that you can put multiple little blippets 10 second intervals of great things that happened during that tournament that you can sure yeah let's go with 2019 at the masters with tiger winning the first day frank molinari just fucking tore it up he did for three days without making a bogey that same weekend we had kirdak happy darma fall on his ass hitting out of the fucking pine straw on the second day we had tiger winning on sunday we had all sorts of drama on the back nine there's tons of ways to piece in different assets of a tournament that are actually memorable and I would want to see Ryder Cups bring the same sort of level of enter- entertainment as a major like that. Grant, it was Tiger winning again, but still. I think we're just debating highlights right now and what's the validity of highlights. And uh, You're always going to have those matches that are the most important, but I think Kid makes a good point that it would be exciting to have you know, the last three or four matches of the day on Sunday all be meaningful and powerful and, and exciting, and hopefully we get that this year. Yeah, I, I I agree with that for sure. I think yeah, that's Dave's point though too. Is he was saying that like it's hard to remember the previous sessions. And it's just Sundays like where you're trying to get down to. I I'm actually trying to ask more than that from the Ryder Cup. That it should be memorable throughout the days, and there should be big pivotal moments that you remember throughout the process. In the same way that the Presidents Cup, you remember JT and Tiger their pivotal win on day two. Yeah, when they hugged and, it out and, on the green, and then you remember Abe Answer and Tiger going at it on Sunday. And you remember Xander and Cantley being ice cold on fucking their pairing on uh fucking what was the first day like the, I mean that Presidents Cup kind of provided how you wanted to like there was a lot of it is stuff. and guess what course they're playing a fucking major caliber top of the class one of the best courses in the world Royal Melbourne yeah. and it brought it Hazeltine isn't fucking that that's my point yeah yeah well we'll see what Whistling has then <laughs> hopefully it provides it we'll see it's not Royal Melbourne but it's a good golf course yeah um. I think that puts a decent bow on on the Ryder Cup. We got our predictions out there. We think he's gonna. Dave, did you get your MVP in for the U.S. team? Um, I don't think I have. Um, I. Um, you said for your score was it was. It I was said 15, 15, 15 Mine 13. was sixteen and a half for I, the U.S. You had sixteen and a half and eleven and a half. I had fifteen and a half, twelve and a yeah. half. Um, and then I had JT. I'm gonna go Daniel Hovland. Berger. Dave had Daniel Berger, and I, you had, I had JT and Rom. J, JT and Rom. Hovland. I think Daniel Berger is gonna shine some light and just show that he's got it day one, and they're gonna be like, "You're going out again, baby. We didn't plan on it, but you're going." Who's out his again. playing partner? Um, I think I like him and Finau together. I think Finau. Do they what get I to, read on the interwebs. To, do they get to go out 
first session, first day, two I, captain's picks together? I, I heard don't know. Finau was I just, playing with more. I, I just like I, I like the idea. Of I'm just trying to talk together. about this like logistically. Like your MVP is likely getting you at least four points, right? Yeah. Like JT did it in 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 Europe when we yeah. got obliterated. Like we're assuming that someone is doing that, which means if it's not if it's not Daniel Berger, it's Cantlay or JT. So if it's not Daniel Berger, it's twenty five percent of the team. <laughs> <laughs> or I guess with Daniel Berger, it's twenty five percent of the yeah. team. Way to just pee on as many guys as you can, Dave. <laughs> well, I saw Daniel Berger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I think the question more had to do with listen. I he's probably not going to play many matches to do do what i think but like going into it when kid initially asked the question the way he did my mind went to daniel berger and then when i look at this list right now like i feel like daniel berger is going to play the best for the u.s team at this event and if he plays enough matches i think he's gonna be able to be the mvp so what ha- what has you having him over someone like JT and Cantley. JT has shown f- phenomenal form of the Ryder Cup and the President's Dude, Cup, and Cantley playing great form right now. All I can say is I just think he's going to do it. I have a feeling my no, gut's I, telling I, me. I agree that I think Daniel Berger is going to outperform expectations. I think he might even be undefeated in the Ryder Cup this year, but that requires you're asking for a lot of stars to align for him to play enough sessions to do it. Yeah. So you think he's going to get paired up with Tony Finau and they're going to go out? I don't out. think he is. I ju- you just asked who who do you think? And off the top, you're of my asking head, look- for a logical answer that you're not going to get. No, I, I asked you who do you think they're going to pair up with Daniel Berger, and then you just said you didn't ask me who you, you said you think they pair up with Daniel Berger. No, yeah, you asked that, and so I just didn't know. So I looked at the list, and the name that stood out to me that seems good with him is T- Tony Finau. I think Finau is going to be playing with Morikawa. Why do you say that? Um, just from what I've read on the internet. Why do they say that? Uh, because they have sources. <laughs> they didn't provide. Well, that. let's take Tony Fino out of it, just for the sake of talking about it. Uh, you got two guys that went. Uh, him and Brooks both went to FSU. They played college golf together. Yeah, I don't like him and Brooks together. Um, I could I could like Daniel Berger and Jordan together. You. I, That's the same I can, logic. I can, as I can, I can tell you right now that JT and Spieth are going out first session, first um, yeah. day. Yeah, I'm sure they are. I'm just telling you who I think they. I, I asked you who do you think Daniel Berger is going and out. Well, he gave Tony you three Fino. answers. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine if you like. I didn't say Tony Fino You're was like the wrong choice. To hold it to it like I'm making a bet or something. No, like, I'm. I didn't ask you to provide more when you said Tony Fino. My point is that you think potentially that he's going out with Tony Fino. That's what sure. you thought the logo, logo choice is. And yet you're still adhering to the MVP thing. I'm just trying to provide like how by that logic, it's possibly difficult for that to happen. Listen, you're at, you're telling me to act on the fly with a lot of things. And I'm not <laughs> thinking that far in advance. Like, Oh, okay. If uh, two rookies or not, Tony Fino's not a rookie, but if captain's two picks. captain's picks go out together, they likely aren't going to be able to get the math to add up to four matches. Like I'm not thinking about that right then in there. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. I, I was more expecting you to respond after I had brought that up, and it was more just like, "Well, yeah, you asked me a question." And I, I was more looking for like, who else do you think he could potentially get paired with that would open up that possibility for him? I guess is a more straightforward way of asking the question. And I and would, I said Jordan Spieth, and you're like, "No, no, no, him and JT are gonna be going out first, my man." And then uh, it's like, okay, well, fuck, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I was probably well, I was probably more expecting him to say. JT, considering that JT and Berger are, are pretty good friends and they both live in Jupiter 
And but once again, I think it's, it's pretty locked up that JT and Spieth are going to be paired yeah. together. Um, so you just you personally really just don't think it's possible for Daniel. I Brandon don't. That's why I didn't yeah. pick him. But I thought he. I think he. I think he's going to overperform people's well. expectations. I think he might go into feed. I just don't think he's going to get enough playing time. Yeah. yeah. But hey, you, who knows, man? That's Maybe. why if I was captain and I saw he had the hot hand, he'd be going out. Firstly, he doesn't have the hot hand. Daniel, he might. Patrick Canley has the hot hand on the U.S. team. We don't know until the first day. You could say without question, you know better than like you all the. Let's just say that Daniel Berger, as far as. Uh, what, do we have Vegas odds on people winning their matches right now? No, like that's I the definitive imagine. hot hand, right? We, we Vegas, don't have we matches. don't have pairings, so we won't have. Match oh yeah, wins. but you should have bets for. Uh, I think they have bets for people's points. points. Yeah, maybe, but like even it, that seems crazy without knowing pairings. I wouldn't set those odds. No, but I think there's bets for winning or losing points. I mean, there you might could be look, I look but up. I again, if I was Vegas, I wouldn't set those odds without knowing who's playing who. Um, so that to me, I think covers the gamut on this. We obviously got a little bit sidetracked with Dave. Shocking. Now getting his we MVP in. Well, we, we were, we, we forgot that he hadn't provided shit. one yet. Um, but yeah, so I think that wraps up nicely. All right. Now to encapsulate it. And I think this will be a good way to transition into player of the year. Who is going to have the best record across both teams? John Rom. Um, Daniel Berger. <laughs> All right. So he will outperform Victor Hovland. I think by a transitive property, Dave was putting a rock in a hard place there where he yeah. couldn't say John yeah, Hovland because he chose Victor <laughs> Hovland. Um, that being said, um, the, I guess technically for an MVP, Victor Hovland and Rom could both get the same amount of points, but Victor Hovland was paired against probably possibly harder players. Sure. I don't know how like how likely that would be. You could paint that narrative. You could yeah. it could be possible. Or Victor Hovland and Rom get paired together and they both beat the same people and then Hovland gets the harder matchup on Sunday. I don't know. Who knows? Theoretically. Um, yeah. That being said, the 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 elephant in the room there was trying to bring up that John Rom is a huge force at the at the Ryder Cup this year, and it's because he's been a fiend this year on and off the course. And he's had success in match play. Yeah, he got, what, second at match play? I think he's done relatively well every year at Dell match play. And he's won. Yeah. He's won there once, too. Okay. Um, so, th- I think if I recall correctly, um, the PGA Tour released their nominees for player of the year. Um, and on that list, it was comprised of... Um, uh, John Rahm, Bryson DeChambeau, um, Patrick Cantlay, and I believe Colin Morikawa. Was Spieth not on the list? No, he was not. Okay. Um, so here's a couple bits to kind of kind of uh, keep in consideration as I run through this. So Patrick Cantlay entered 24 events this year with four victories. We'll get to the victories. Um, let's remember that they're they're categorizing their season, um, yeah. which includes the wraparound season, the fall season. Um, so one of his wins was the Zozo Championship. Fairly strong field, but the Zozo. Um, he, he, won, he won the, uh, the FedEx Cup, as we uh, know. 
fifth in scoring average on tour, uh, record total of seven top tens. Um, and of those 24 events, he made 19 cuts. So he actually missed quite a few cuts for himself yeah. this year. Um, Bryson DeChambeau, number nom- nominee, 22 events with two victories. Um, uh, and that includes the 2020 U.S. Open as part of this super Rep season. Round, yeah. And then he won Bay Hill as well. Um, finished number seven in the FedEx Cup, finished fourth in scoring average, um, recorded nine top tens, made 20 of his 22 cuts. Um, Harris English, also a nominee, entered 26 events, two victories, Kapalua and Travelers Championship, 18 in the FedEx Cup, 22nd in scoring average, recorded eight top tens, made 22 of his 26 cuts. Colin Morikawa entered 23 events, had two victories with the uh, concession WGC in uh, outside of Bradenton, Florida, and then he won the Open Championship, finished 26th in the FedEx Cup, finished 20th in scoring average, recorded a total of eight top tens, made 19 cuts of his 23 events. And final on the list, John Rahm entered 22 events with a victory at the 2021 U.S. Open, Finished number two in the FedEx Cup, led scoring, led the PJ Tour in scoring average at 69.3, and then led the PJ Tour top, in top tens with 15, and 21 out of his 22 cuts were made. Yeah. So, let's work backwards. Who do we drop first off of this list? I think we all assume, I think it's safe to assume we cut Harris English off of this <coughs> list first. Definitely. I would say the next person you'd cut off of this list would be Bryson, yep. considering that you can't have two 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 you can't have two u.s open winners on the list yeah i think as f- the further you get away from the victories the, the depreciating returns of what that yeah. should affect as far as player of the year even though it is a major but it was too long ago yeah yeah for, for player of the year yeah um i think then this is the next two um i think are you could probably make an argument one way or another um patrick cantley right now is considered to have four wins one of those is a memorial tournament that was gifted to him um after john rom was forced to withdraw um the zozo obviously a wraparound season event not the strongest field in the world but decent strength the bmw championship he grit he grinded out a win there you know he worked his ass off to get it and then i think they're calling the tour championship um a win. a win for for that which it's it was a net championship win he right. wouldn't have won the gross yeah and it's a limited field it's yeah. it's a limited field um i understand that there's an argument to be made about players play to the scoreboard he's going to play to what he, sure. he he needs to do to stay in the lead that all being said um the other person that i think you're in close comparison with is Colin Morikawa, who lost to him at the memorial in a playoff um, but did win a major. He won the Open in pretty considerable fashion. Um, he won at the concession, which was a very interesting, difficult golf course yeah, that yeah, had a lot of course. strong, yeah. strong field. Um, and then he had, you know, eight top tens, um, one more than Patrick Cantley's seven top tens. So before we get to also, John, if we want to just something that can be added to player of the year in my opinion is major performances i don't know if we have those at hand but i know that can't leave miscuts in two of the majors this year and i he was outside the to top say 20 that, in both the other ones and i would venture to say that maybe morikawa missed a cut in one but i think he performed well in the other three and won one of them um and 
in uh, I could be jumping ahead here, but in my opinion, it goes Rom as Player of the Year. Then it's Morikawa and Cantlay. If I had to put it a first, second, you are jumping ahead a little bit. But the uh, (laughs) Colin Morikawa got T eighteen at the Masters. He got T eight at the PGA Championship. He got T four at the U.S. Open, and he won the British Open. Okay, so a great performing year at the majors. Rom got T five at the Masters. He got T eight at the PGA Championship. He won the U.S. Open, and he got T third at the Open Championship. Yeah, yeah. So now, I think Colin Morikawa had a better year than Patrick Cantlay. I agree. Right, it's a recency bias. You can give Patrick Cantlay two solid wins this year. The Memorial is an asterisk, and the and I wouldn't even give it a full asterisk for the. Uh, the tour championship but f- you for sure would okay so and two asterisks and then and then it and then you go bring his major performances in and it, it, it just wasn't good yeah. and yeah. he's done well in the past but this year it just wasn't there and he's yeah. had a, he had a considerable amount of missed cuts this year too yeah i mean he he, he missed five cuts which yeah. is he also played the most events out of actually no harris english played more than him but harris english it's not in this conversation yeah um, our last guy on this list, I think unanimously amongst the three of us all believe that he was the player of the year. Um, there shouldn't be too much debate around this. Uh, just to recap, once again, you heard his major results for John Rahm. He didn't fall outside of the top five in any of those majors. Um, there was an eight in there. Oh yeah. T8, yeah, the masters. Yeah, is didn't that right? Fall out top 10. Yeah. Let me. He was top nope. five at the no, Masters. He was T eight at T five at the Masters. T eight at the PGA yeah. Championship. T third at the Open, and then he won the U.S. Open. Before that, he also finished the season third at the Northern Trust. T ninth at the BNW Championship. And as far as the OWGR is concerned, he tied first um, with Kevin Na at the Tour Championship. Yeah. Um, he was ejected from winning the Memorial, which I think we all know he would have won if he got to continue to play. Um, he led the tour in strokes gained uh, all around yeah, in like five of the seven categories. It was insane, yeah. Um, so he entered 22 events. He only missed one cut. He had 15 top – wait, hold on. Yeah, 15 top 15 tens. top tens. Um, just an unbelievable season from Rom for a guy who technically only won one event. I think this might possibly be the best possible season you can you can have – with only winning one event. Yeah. Um, unless that event was the open, but the, uh, yeah, John Rahm is the player of the year. It should go down with that question. He also won the Scottish open. Yeah. Um, Which will be a PGA tour event next year. Exactly. So he top to bottom. He played the best golf this year. Um, you could have said that there was, uh, a, a fairly decent neck and neck race, uh, between him and Colin Morikawa after major season. But I think John put it to bed. Yeah. Um, Colin Morikawa would have had to have a pretty serious finish to the season. The strokes gain too is just such a huge factor for me. Like oh, it just sure. shows the consistency and how good of golf he's playing. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, I think it. It unfortunately didn't translate to as many wins as it probably should have. And I think part of that has to do with some really unlucky circumstances. And then uh, some of it too is that, you know, it just resulted in him getting just some really, really close finishes to, yeah, and, I mean, and someone well, just got hot you, for a week. If you roll it out, how, if you're 
just painting a picture here. He wins the Memorial, puts him in better positioning for the FedEx Cup, and then he would likely go on to win the FedEx Cup, and it could be a whole different conversation. I mean, we've, have... we've, we've done the math on it. If he won the Memorial, and the points that he would have earned and how many it would have taken away from Patrick Cantlay and how he finished at the, the Tour Championship, granted there are changes and adaptions based on different variables, yeah, exactly. but without question... Just with that flip there, he would have won the the FedEx yeah. Cup. Yeah. So now he has three wins instead of one. And and I don't know. We don't have to litigate the Tour Championship. We already missed our opportunity to do that. But it's a flawed system that doesn't result in actually a, a true season long winner getting it out on top at the end. But um, John Rom, a very deserving Player of the Year. I think it would be a travesty for him to to not win it. I would say this one is even more cut and dry than the year when Rory won it. Um, I think most of us would have probably gone with Brooks that year. Rory did have a stellar year that year. I think it was more up up in the air than this one is. This one feels far more cut and dry. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think it it's to the powers that be much closer if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, they weigh... It's made by the PGA Tour. They think of... They want to make a market the FedEx Cup as the most important trophy. Yeah, right. And so, you know, with that being... I, the, I wouldn't be surprised if Cantley wins it. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think anyone with an ounce of credible golf knowledge knows it's not the right decision. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, and I unfortunately don't know if Jay Monaghan will realize that it invalidates your prize whenever you do that year in and year out. Yeah when you continually lean toward favoring so much the FedEx Cup champion. The only the, the reason he got to get away with it with, with Rory was that Rory won like five times that right. year and yeah. played insane strokes gained. Um, There's a whole bunch that you know we could go into about how the playoffs should be structured and X, Y, and Z and yada, 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 but we don't have time for that. But it, it could be changed to be a better product, and uh, we'll see if that ever happens. Yep. So, uh, in summary for me, I'm, I'm hyped for the Ryder cup. It's my favorite event to watch. Um, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this shakes out. Cause I think we have an interesting golf course. Um, I think we have, uh, two really stacked teams to, to differing levels. And I, I thankfully for the most part, I can root for almost every guy on the, on the U S team. Yeah. I mean, the only time I p- could potentially be rooting for Rory is if he's playing, like bryson you know so it yeah i'm hyped i think the the u.s is going to take it hopefully they take it and uh yeah fired up one week out oh yeah usa baby thanks for listening and we'll see you next time peace